Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I'm Pod, and that's Cast. I will never be Cast, and that's Pod. There's no one I'd rather be than me. Hey guys, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm your guest host, producer yeah. Ben. Hells yeah. Because occasionally on this podcast, the boys give me the keys to the car. We hand you the checkbook. That's right. And I get to pick what I want. Mm-hmm. It's your duty. Big duty. To host the show. Can you do her? It's your duty. Yeah, that's, that's I'm going to leave that to Griff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm hosting the show, so strap in. This is Ben Rock wrecks the podcast. That's right. Ben, yes. ben breaks the podcast. Ben breaks the yeah. podcast. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll introduce my guests. Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, there's Griffin Newman. Hi, everybody. Uh, co-host of Blank Check. From Griffin Blue Bloods. David. Of course, from CBS. Oh, you're on Blue Bloods? Two episodes my of Blue Bloods. My grandparents love that show. I got a $20 residual check today, baby. Really? Wow. Yeah. What did you play? That thing kills in syndication. Yeah, I, I still get the checks. It's yep. going on in a decade. I, I played, uh, of course, Detective Sam Wonderboy Johnson, who was set up to be an exciting new recurring character who worked the computer. <laughs> And Are you serious? Donnie Wahlberg didn't like me. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> we had very different acting styles. Mm. Okay. Uh, but, but but those checks still clear, baby. Nice. And then, of course, here on my left, Hello. it's David Sims. Yes. From That's Blue me. Bloods. <laughs> also on Blue Bloods. Hi. Uh, so, guys... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should say the whole spiel about the show. So it's Blank Check. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a podcast about director's filmographies. Uh, fuck, I've heard this so yeah, many times. Yeah, but it doesn't apply to this episode. Today you're just going to wreck it. That's oh, the point. okay, fine. You're breaking the format. All right, well then yeah. let's get into it. Rolling All right. up his sleeves. So I saw Wreck-It Ralph one night late by myself, mm-hmm. and I texted these boys. And yeah, I, when was this, like a couple of years ago? This was like a year ago, and it was maybe about 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, I just... Finally seen Wreck-It Ralph. Mm-hmm. You were watching it as you were texting us drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it made me cry really hard. And <laughs> I just had such a Why moment. Why were you watching it? Do you remember? Like <laughs> I was sad. Just sad. And I needed uh, something in my life to entertain me. The vibe I got from it at the time was that, like, your your girlfriend at the time was sleeping. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And you were drunk and sad watching a movie by yourself. Yep. 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 Right. That's... That's the scene. Right. And you were getting very emotional. Mm-hmm. You were in love with the film and you were borderline hostile towards David and I for not telling you to watch the movie soon. I was mad. It was like you were furious at the like. Because it's my origin story. <laughs> I'm like, Wreck It Ralph is <laughs> basically my story. Okay, so let's unpack this. Okay, great. Sure. You have to unpack it. We oh, can't right. unpack it. Yeah. <laughs> ben keeps forgetting he's the host. He's the week. host. <laughs> All right. So I um, am a trash boy. You're a trash boy. Yes, you're from and Ditchland. I'm from a ditch world. You mm-hmm. grew up in a pile of bricks. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Honestly. 
Really? I feel like this is slanderous to your poor parents who probably provided you with a nice enough home and they bed did. and such, right? They, you know, they worked did, hard. They did their a, best. Yeah, and you're always <laughs> trying to paint your upbringing like this fucking Thunderdome yeah. or whatever. And was a garbage pail kid. Uh, too bad ben fa- Ben's father will never come on the show to defend himself. Winky, winky. Winky, winky. Anyway, go on. Continue on. So I... um. Yeah, I just was like a bad kid Mm -hmm. and I very much like kind of fell into that identity, I think, you know, of like sort of like I'm a bad guy. They viewed you as a scumbum, so you played into it. Yeah. Much like Ralph. And then at some point I made a I made a few friends along the way. Okay. Met some little friends. I left New Jersey, you know, left that in the the dust. You stepped into a different game. I did. And all of a sudden, I realized, wow, people are nice and the world's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You can have friends. So this thing, like, resonated hard with you. Oh, man, yeah. You wouldn't stop talking about it. And then we were like, you know there's a sequel. And your mind literally exploded like the original Garbage Pail Kid, Adam Bomb. Yeah, right. Uh, so then since then, we sort of had this, this notion on the books. Uh, let's do a Ralph episode. Let's make it a Ben's choice. We've been doing so many families' choices, and we had a Paul Shear choice. We haven't had a proper Ben's choice in a while. Probably. When was the last one? Man Who Too Little? I think. Uh, was, Clifford. Clifford. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was about afterwards. it was about a year ago. Um, and so we we decide to let Ben uh, wreck it. Uh, King Ralph is still on the books. We replaced one Ralph with another Ralph. Yeah. Um, but but the thing that's been sort of hanging over this is all the. Ralph Breaks the Internet trailers are coming out, and all of us were, like, loosening our collar a little bit, going, like, it looks a little emoji movie. And we've said this on the podcast, like, a little worried about that new one. And mm-hmm. Ben the whole time was steadfast. Ralph rules. It's going to be great. It's, it's going to be good. It. I definitely was of the mindset, like, with the princess thing especially, of, right. like, they they may just not have had enough here, and I, they sort of went all in on the random sort of shit just to... Get some. I was like sales. shaking my hand and going like, eh, I don't know. And you were going like, it looks bad. It's going to be bad. Like you seemed pretty certain it was going to be a slapdash sequel. Uh, the the tr- after seeing the trailer, yes. Before seeing the trailer, I was sort of like, who knows? You like, like Ralph? You right. like I like I like the first one so right. much. After seeing the trailer, very worried. Of family Guy level, no plot, mostly random shit. With the internet as like a vehicle for that, right? Well, and, and Rich Moore was like one of the main directors on uh, Futurama. Sure. Directed many of its that. best episodes. That's sort of his like big pedigree before Disney sort of poached him and brought him in. And it was a really cool move because he like did a lot of the best, most emotional episodes of Futurama that had this great balance of like permanent oh, also, joke ratio. He worked on The Simpsons. Yes. Oh, okay. He worked on uh, Mighty Mouse mm-hmm. back in the day. He worked on The Critic. Uh, Mighty Mouse, one of those weird shows where like most a lot of cool people came out of it. Andrew Stanton came out of that. Like a lot of people who redefined the next twenty years of animation before Pixar had gotten up and running, and Disney had been revitalized, were on Mighty Mouse. Right. Um. But uh. Yes. No. I mean, he worked on a lot of The Simpsons. He moved over to Futurama. His episodes of Futurama just had a very distinct flavor to them. He did Roswell that ends well, which is uh, the one that won the Emmy. I believe he did uh, Jurassic Bark, the one with Fry's dog that everyone always like memes about how sad it is. 
Might have done Luck of the Friarish, which is my favorite episode. I don't think he did the two you're talking about. He did do Roswell the Dead as well. Did he not do the dog one? Jurassic Park is such a good episode. I can't watch it. Let's find out. I think he did the dog one. I, maybe no, not Luck of the no, Friarish. No. no? Swinton O. Scott and then Luck. Because you just named the three most famous Futurama episodes. Yes. But he only did one. Okay, of them. so he did one of them. He did yeah. the one that won the Emmy. Yeah, Luck of the Friarish was a, an uh, Emmy, at least, uh, nom- yeah, winner, I think. Roswell did it as well. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, seeing the Ralph Breaks the Internet uh, trailer, not that, you know, there's a, a massive difference between Family Guy and Futurama. But you see the trailer and you go, this might just become a gag machine. Right. This might just be a guy the who's got a TV comedy background. Right, right. There are a lot of things they can pull from. Is it just going to be a mapping game of what if this was like this? What would the dark web look like? Yeah. And then yeah. also the other thing was that the trailers were so heavy on the Disney IP. Which I just have no patience for. What, Griffin's smiling. I think it's well done in this movie. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it. That, I, that's the stuff I just have But I think no, there's a massive no difference between it. taking up six minutes of a two-hour movie versus taking up one minute of a three-minute trailer. Mm-hmm. When you saw the three-minute trailer and it was mostly the princesses, you were like, what is this thing? I mean, I understand, especially having seen it now, like, you know, you, you want to sell your tickets. Yeah. Emphasize these these very uh, these things people are gonna like uh, Disney. Everyone knows Disney. Everyone's ready for uh, people like crossover self referential humor. Crossover shit. They love self referential humor. Deadpool knows these in a movie, and I want to make it very clear. I just want to restate very quickly: we're not hosting this episode. Ben's hosting this episode. Yes. We're just doing a little context corner. Oh yeah, this and that. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I didn't even watch the trailer. <laughs> All I needed to know is that Breaks was in the title, yeah. and I was sold. And Ralph, and Ralph was in the movie. And Ralph's in the movie, right? You'll see any movie with Ralph above or in the title, hundred percent. Yeah, um, King Ralph, Wreck It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Your three favorite films. Yep. D twenty three, which is like the crazy Disney fan club convention thing. Uh, Disney has started pulling a lot of their shit from like Comic Con and the traditional channels. And doing big Star Wars panels and Marvel panels and announcements at D23, which they do like annually or every other year in different places. Why is it called D23? Because I think 23 is the there year is some reason. The, of the first Mickey Mouse short. I think it's 1923. That early? Something was happened in 23. It's just the, the year he founded the company. Okay, yeah. thank you. Do you think that, that that meetup is like just full of creeps? I've seen things from it. I mean, it's it's a wide array of people because you have like hardcore Disney fans who generally aren't creeps they're people who are just like I like nice things okay I like when things are comfortable you know sure like a lot of the theme park people are like just like very nice people and I don't say this disparagingly because I love theme parks and I uh, care more about Disney than most average people right sure, sure. But the people but who you're are not like, the, you're not alone in that there are no, you. No, 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 no there are millions of you right but uh, I'd say the hard hardcore like Disney proper people are the people who are like I like nice, comforting things. Disney has amazing quality control. You know? Sure. Their stuff is just like very, like even when it's bad, it's got the Disney vibe. Yeah. Which is the exact thing that like drove me crazy about working at the Disney store, Humble Brack. Right. Um, and so there are those people, but now they've roped like the Marvel people in. Oh, yeah. And the Star Wars people. Sure. And then you also have people who are like, I'm just a Pixar fan. I'm just a theme park fan. Right. I just like the old musicals. Like, there are all these different cross sections. So they've tried to make it like this one club where you like pay whatever it is, like $40 a year and you get like some exclusive sc- stuff and then you get to go to this convention and uh, they, it's a bully base of all the Disney stuff. 
Wow. Like, here are the old vintage ride vehicles on the floor, and Dick Van Dyke is getting an award, but also, like, Tom Hiddleston's doing a Q&A. Like, it's, like, all of it. And the last one of these that they did, maybe, like, 18 months ago, they were like, we're screening the first ever footage from Wreck-It Ralph 2, which I think at that time was still just called Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yeah, because initially was definitely going to be called that with the subtitle Ralph Breaks the Internet, right? Right. It was, like, maybe first announced as Wreck-It Ralph 2. Then it was like Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Then and they it just flipped became, it. Then it became Ralph, Ralph Breaks, Breaks the, the Internet, colon Wreck-It Ralph 2, and right, then they I mean, dropped it. Which is this weird thing now where studios don't want numerals in their titles because they don't want it to look like the titles, the franchise is getting long in the tooth. Uh, actually, I think SEO is a huge part of that, which is crazy, but yeah. I think almost certainly true. You want a new title because people Google Wreck-It Ralph, they're going to get the old thing. Yes. But the beginning of that was like, uh, the first time I remember being like, that's weird, was Ice Age 2 very shortly before it came out being like, never mind, it's called Ice Age 2, The Meltdown. Sure, right. And then all those movies become like blank colon subtitle. Right. Or like, here's just a different title. And they largely avoid the, the twos and the threes. Um, so this title transforms. That for me was a little bit of a red flag where I'm like, are they trying so hard to just sell it as like, it's internet the movie. Mm-hmm. Is it getting away from the Ralph thing? All the stuff that's set up in the original that I like. They do this screening of early footage of D23 and they show the princess scene, which was like the first scene completed. Mm-hmm. And unsurprisingly, the thing fucking kills at this Disney convention. Right. Which, of course, right. Whenever you hear something's killing a D23, you're not like, oh, it's definitely good. Right. right. And right. I think they were like, here's one small scene in our movie that's fun. Right. Then the internet exploded because of all these Disney bloggers. And then I think they started like really putting that front and center for all the marketing, right. which then scared some people like you and I being like, we just want to see a movie about Ralph and Vanellope. Right. Don't give me too much princess shit. Right. Um, but the movie uh, comes out and critics love it. And Bill Gabiri says it's a masterpiece. I saw it with, um, I saw it at the press screening. Uh-huh. Richard Lawson was sitting behind me, friend, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Ralph Breaks the Internet we're talking about here. And uh, we were sort of amiably chatting before the screening, right? And then after, like the second the credits start rolling, Richard like dashes out of his seat. And I was sort of surprised because Courtney, uh, the um, PR person, uh, Disney's the lovely Courtney, mm-hmm. had been very specific as she gave me the ticket of like, remember, uh, stay post credits because there's there's stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they'd like to alert you, like there's going to be a post credits thing. Okay. So I was like, I guess Richard doesn't uh, want to see the post credits thing, and then he uh, told me, and I think he tweeted, uh, he ran away because his eyes were so filled with tears <laughs> he could not face. Really, <laughs> everyone. He was like, I'm just going to get out of here. Specifically, like the very ending of the movie got I think him, or the did it friendship build? thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask him in terms, but like, yeah, the final sort of, uh, you know, soft goodbye that they have, where it's like we're not going to see much of each other anymore. You know, not to spoil it. Ben's getting a little worried. Uh, ben yeah. is um, looking away from <laughs> not making not making eye contact with me. Fuck. Yeah, it gets me too. <laughs> uh, so the development <sighs> of this movie is a little weird. Um. Disney, like, when they were in the late 90s, I guess more the early 2000s, like, Pixar has gotten so big, then DreamWorks is starting to get so big, Mm -hmm. and they were starting to have diminishing returns on the classically animated Disney films. They moved away from the princess musicals because uh, they were like, we gotta get boys, we gotta get boys. Boys don't like Disney. And, like, movies like Princess and the Frog or Tangled wouldn't do maybe as well as they hoped. Well, Maybe this is even before I'm talking before this. I'm talking, like, 2000 to 2006, okay. essentially. 
um, when it's like, oh, let's make these boys action movies. And they do Treasure Planet. They do Atlantis. These things underperform. Then they do these weird sort of, oh, let's try CGI. Let's do like Chicken Little. Yeah. Hmm. These movies are all like really expensive. They suck and they have no shelf life. Right. Right. Right? Uh, uh, Chicken Little. Uh, Treasure Planet and Atlantis are kind of interesting. Um, Treasure Planet has its fans. But at this point, Disney feature animation doesn't have much direction. Uh, and uh, Pixar has kind of run the table on them. Pixar mm-hmm. hasn't been bought fully by Disney yet. They're trying to make their own CGI films. They don't want to do it. And they're accepting a lot of modern pitches. And they're like, fuck the old Disney model of like a classic tale with a new spin. We're just doing new shit, developing from the ground up, modern, Trekkie, modern shit. And there's a pitch they buy or, you know, perhaps is developed in-house that's called Joe Jump which then becomes Reboot Ralph, right. which is, let's make a movie in a video game. Yeah. That video seems like a movie. thing that kids want. bit video game movie, right? right? Like, that's the joke, right? Right. It's like uh, Roger Rabbit, yeah, but, but in, in the arcade. What if the thing you think of as inanimate was animate? Right. And no one ever really uh, cracks it. I remember Anne Hathaway was announced to be in it, and someone else was announced to be in it. I kept on going through these name changes, director changes, writer changes. It was kind of like Hotel Transylvania. Trying to find any, like... Uh, where it was yeah. like, a video game movie, that sounds marketable. A thing set inside, an 8-bit game, that sounds big. And no one ever had a story for it that really worked. And they kept on resetting it, rebooting it, mm. uh, no pun intended. I feel like at one point Gary Ross was writing it, weirdly. I could see that, because didn't he write um, the little mouse movie? Uh, yes, he did. The little cartoon mouse with the sword. Uh, Tale Tales of Despero. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's sort of just like bouncing around this and that. And then uh, when John Lasseter, uh, lots of hug and bear himself, uh, takes over Disney animation and starts like supplanting, you know, like all their traditional methods and being like, this has to be a proper studio again. Uh, he poaches Richmore and is like, here's a guy who previously was seen as a little too edgy for Disney. Right. But this is the kind of guy we need in the studio. And Rich Moore sort of becomes the big in-house Disney Studios guy. Right. Tangled was very successful, but it cost a crazy amount of money because they had been developing it for like 15 years. Yeah. But was a big hit and starts this new modern wave of like Tangled, obviously, then Ralph the following year, then Frozen is the biggest movie of all time. Uh, and then this, this incredible like run that Disney Animation's Moana. been on. Moana. Moana. Make way. Big Hero 6. They win a bunch of Oscars. Sure. They've had a more successful track record than Pixar in terms of Oscars over the and last in terms decade. of quality. In my I opinion. would agree. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Although maybe, I think the Pixar might have still made like the best movie in those 10 years. You know what I mean? The number one best? I agree. Yeah. Like, but I think that Disney in general is a little more consistent than Pixar. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also feels more original. And they've done an interesting balance of like things like Ralph that feel like very modern and things like Frozen that feel very throwbacky. And there's a nice like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, but Disney Nodding. Has, Disney has only ever made one theatrically released and produced sequel to an animated film ever. And it's something completely weird. The right. Rescuers Down Under. Right. Right. Have you seen The Rescuers Down Under? No. You know, those two little mice, mice married couple. Uh, no. Come on, Bob Newhart. Is yeah. it Bob Newhart? And Ava Gabor, I think. Is that right? I believe that's who the two of them are. And they're nice little mice and they solve mysteries. In the first one, they solve a regular mystery. And the second one, they go the down under. The second one's like, we're going to give it to you, what you've always wanted. They're going to go down under. It was the post-Crocodile uh, Dundee Outback it also, Steakhouse. It's like 14 years Outback. later. Yes. They were like, we're doing a sequel. And everyone's like, oh, here comes fucking Sleeping Beauty 2. And it's like, the rescuers down it under. It was very odd. 
So uh, that was like when Katzenberg and Eisner took over, they were like, we should be milking our properties. We should be using the brands that we already have value. Let's make a sequel to a theatrical Disney animated film. And they were like, all these other movies literally end with and they lived happily ever after. Right. Like, which of these actually is still kind of open ended? And they were like, we're going to make two sequels. It's The Rescuers Down Under and Mary Poppins 2. And Mary Poppins 2 took an additional 30 years to happen. Rescuers Down Under happened. It underperformed. And then right around that time, the Disney Renaissance happens and all the new movies are so great. And they abandon the sequel thing. Disney Toons is developed, which is the company that does all the VHS, DVD, yep. direct to, you know, Return of Jafar. A couple of those end up getting released theatrically, like Jungle Book 2 and Return to Neverland. But those aren't meant to be theatrical films. They're just like, why don't we put it in theaters? Yeah. This is the first since mm-hmm. The Rescuers Down Under. So right. it was seen Pixar as a big has deal. made sequels, but right. Yeah, yeah. Seen as a bit, and DreamWorks has made too many sequels, but it was seen as a big deal that Disney was like going to allow a big theatrical sequel. And, and, and Ralph seemed like there's a lot of stuff still on the table. Video games, it's a big world. They've stayed mostly within an arcade world. They had always been like, you know, they could hook it up to Wi-Fi. And you could get online gaming. And Ralph and Vanellope could end up on consoles. And everyone's like, that's clearly the premise of 2. And then they announce 2. And it's like, they go into the internet right. proper. And I was just like, genuinely, because I was so invested in the way that the world worked in the first one. You I love was like, the world building of the first one. I do. I was just like, how would they get to the internet? And then the trailer's like, they get a router. And I'm like, that that's it? That's the whole... <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of incredible. Like, I, I love the audacity. You got a router. Yeah. The that's aud- how the internet works. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think that's... The audacity okay. and the confidence of the Wreck-It Ralph universe to be like, yeah, it's a surge protector. <laughs> There's a power strip and all the devices. Yeah. Like, they're just like, oh, that's how you travel from one thing to another. It's great. The world building yeah, in both incredible. movies is so clean and it is. precise. You it's get really it sharp. fast. And, yeah, it's and it like, doesn't have to do too much of no. like, this is this person, this is this person. Yeah. It, and and Ready Player One, comparatively. That's the first just, thing Ben said when the movie ended was just, that's so much better than Ready Player One. It's so clunky. Yeah. And just they spend so much time explaining things. This is a movie where it's like, this is how you do opening narration. Like, when people go, like, opening narration, kind of sweaty if you have to set up the rules. But, like, the narration in the first one is just, like, it's funny, it's well-written, Ralph is engaging, you actually get character, it's not just an info dump, and it's better to just be, like, here's four minutes and we're explaining all the rules to you and now we can move on with our movie. Also, the characters are amalgamations of, like, Donkey Kong. It works so well. And what's so great about that is, like, I'm not a nerd, so I don't need, like, the service of, like, oh, look, he's got a mallet because, you know, it's like Donkey Kong. I don't give a shit. So I just love it because it's, like, clean and you just right away know what this character's about and, like, what his deal is. It's also great that they pick, like, three very, very universal things that people who have never played a video game would know, which is, like, Ralph and Felix are, like, Donkey Kong and Mario. Right. Sugar Rush is, like, Mario Kart combined with Candyland. Oh, yeah. And then, like, uh, Hero's Duty is, like, Halo combined with, like, Metroid. Sure. And it's, like, here are three different types of games that everyone knows. Yeah. Even if you haven't played them, you've seen a kid play them. Uh, That tracking's really good, but they make the characters their own, so it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is, like, a parody of... Yeah. Like, I love, like, the rules of Felix where it's just, like, your understanding of how the game works is so strong and it looks fun. Like, it doesn't look like a shitty fake movie game. Right. You're like, the Golden Hammer thing is great. 
Yeah. It looks like, did they ever make it? Like, could I play Wreck-It Ralph? Here's my first merchandise. Yeah, I mean, I I assume. Here's my first merchandise spotlight. So they have as an app that's really good. I played it a lot when the first movie came out. And it's like, it's just the game? Dead on. Okay. It's perfect. It's not like a shitty, like, flash, like, fake thing. It's like a proper it just looks the same as this okay. game yeah. and I'm it gonna rules. download this now i hope they still have it um there i believe when the movie was coming out they did set up at like disney like some proper like uh, some cabinets. cabinets right 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 uh there is now a product i was trying to get in in time for this episode ben it, it's sold out everywhere i'm trying to get it for you as a christmas present there is uh a company now that's making like little mini like arcade cabinets. So it's like, oh, it's like a desk version like this. I'm holding out my hands. It's like the size of a coffee cup. Uh-huh. But it's like, oh, it's like Frogger, Pac-Man. It's got the little controls. You can play it properly. And they made one of Fix-It Felix. That's, that's cool. So it's like a little desk arcade cabinet with the proper full Fix-It Felix game. Oh, my God. that cost? It costs like $20, wow. but it's sold out everywhere. And the third market prices are like through the roof on eBay. Right. So maybe it's just a rarity now. Yeah. I think they underproduce some. Well, hopefully they make more. Yeah. Because this game- episode is going to be so popular. Huge. G- guys, whoever, whoever, whatever that company is, tweet at them. Yeah. Tell them to make more. I want this. And tell them to be a sponsor on this show and yeah. send Ben 40 of them. Send And may, have, I want a golden hammer, too. Yeah. The and, golden hammer. I just, I just love the rules of the game, but also the rules of the universe of like the hammer fixes everything. Right. That, that, that scene of. When they figure that out, of him hitting yeah. his own face. Yes. So good. But it's nice that they're like, here are the individual rules of our game that aren't just riffing on Mario. Right. Like, here's, we're combining it with other shit. We're adding different values. And then in the first movie, basically, like, the two plot lines Mm -hmm. are Felix and Ralph, right? Um, And they go off on their separate kind of journeys. Right. But then the relationship they have then with... They form a new relationship that... With the female characters is so, like, it just is, like, it makes me excited because it's, like, this is a movie for kids. And it's, like... Great values, like great friends, the romantic like thing I of mean, like the Felix being I've... small and like her being the strong like sure. warrior, yeah, I love her, like her ankle or whatever. It's so great. Yeah, I love that she loves him. That it's yeah. not like the joke is that like he's like a, a idiot pussy who's like in love with this big tough girl and she's like get away from me, cuck. Yeah, you know, which you could easily imagine uh, Jane Lynch saying in a PG Disney film. Um. But but no, they're they're two very nice relationships, and the movie is really about like identity, which I like. Like yes. the thing that you realize watching uh, breaks the internet is like, oh, that's the thing they've latched onto more than anything. Is like this series is about like identity and insecurity, insecurity in the modern world. Absolutely, how people see us, how we want to be seen, how much friendship matters in in that regard. Yes. Like how much people our, who accept you for who you validate are, us, yeah. right? You know, and in ways good and bad. I mean, breaks, Ralph breaks the internet is. Very interesting in what it is saying, in my opinion. Wreck It Ralph is I more straightforward. I I get that. Like, you know. We're we're gonna talk about it. Yes. There are a couple things that the first Wreck It Ralph does that are very risky that I uh am very impressed by. Like even like I watched it for like the third time last night, right? And I remember I when I went to see it, uh uh Tasha Robinson, then at the Dissolve, had written a review. Uh, where she compared it to Toy Story 2 in terms of the p- tightness of its script then, <laughs> which was uh, an unfair thing for me to read before seeing the movie. Oh, I see. Are you saying you didn't like it when you first saw I it? I did like it, but my expectations were this will make me as happy as when I saw Toy Story 2 for the first time, the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. It, it was actually... <laughs> it was an unattainable goal. It was actually AV Club. It was that long. Ago. Oh, okay. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. 
But it was it was Tasha, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw it. I was like, that's very good. It's nowhere near as good as Toy Story 2. What are these people talking about? But no one else. <laughs> you're just going off of Tasha. Correct. Yeah. Um, but, but I have like, with time, really uh, grown to um, admire the audacity of a couple of things it's pulling off. Mm-hmm. One of which is, uh, and I think this movie is very much of a piece with Monsters University in this like, Teaching kids tough lessons that movies don't usually want to talk about. Mm. Which is like, it sets up this narrative where it's like, Ralph has to prove that he's a good guy. And you expect in a classic movie way that he, by the end of the film, will figure out how to become the hero of his own game. Right. And the movie at the end goes like, everyone should just, like, it's good to be the best version of who you are. Play to your strengths. Right. Rather, you think it's going to be, you should just be yourself and that's what's most important or whatever, like the classic Disney message. And instead, it's more like, look, not everyone is going to be good at everything. Which is the same thing that Monsters University does that I think is really audacious. You and your fucking Monsters fucking University. They're not stay in your lane movies. Like, they're not like, fuck you. That comes late. That comes after this anyway. Right. Handicap your ambitions. Sure. But they're movies about, like, understanding who you are and and society. And And accepting yourself is what matters. And not being yourself. That makes sense. There is a difference. Ralph's like mantra, which he comes to believe at the end, the thing they say in the like villain and non-support group is the like, you know, I am bad and that's good. I'm not good and that's not bad. You know, that thing is like really kind of touching. And then the other thing is, I think the thing they pull with Vanellope, where I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, in no way sniffing out King Candy as the bad guy, spoilers. And when he gives the big explanation to Ralph about like why she can't win and why she can't play, I was like, this is a genuinely compelling turn in the movie. Right. That the guy you kind of think is the bad guy right. turns out to be the one who's presenting the like catch-22 the movie is centered around. And then you realize he's a fucking heel. Sure. He's the one who's trying to force people into boxes. Yes, but he is also just trying to outrun death. Right. Uh, which is interesting. There's not a lot of Disney villains. I would say that is their primary motivation. Yeah. Like their primary motivation. His but secondary pride. motivation it's is pride driven. Is the pride yeah. and also like many a villain, a control, like global domination, right? Yeah. He wants to be the king of uh, the sugar rush. Yes. But his primary motivation is that his game got unplugged. Right. So he doesn't want to be dead. Yes. You know? Right. I mean, I guess he could live in like the, the power strip forever. Yeah, but who wants that? I mean, it look at Cuber. It doesn't seem like a good life. Right. Do they have to eat? Because sometimes he feeds Cuber, but like, does Cuber need to eat? There yeah, are certain questions I still have. Um, uh, Alan Tudyk's performance as uh, uh, Turbo and King Candy is unbelievable in the first movie. But also, uh, David, just a quick correction. You said he's trying to uh, outrun death, and in fact, he's trying to out-race death. Okay, well, should we talk about the plot? Yeah. No, I think we got to finish the episode right there, right? But the, <laughs> the other thing I like is that Vanellope, like, the, the whole glitch thing, they don't make it like, and here she's going to solve her glitch. Uh, yeah, that is... Which would feel a little ableist that, if they did that. If it was like, and she's going to conquer her even impediment. Though within the logic of the movie's universe, yes. her glitch should go away because yeah. it was only invented because King Candy fucked with her code. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's good that, right, she's like, but the glitch is cool. Like, the glitch is a cool thing. Well, and, and the... And every game has a glitch. The most, like, maudlin, free-to-be, you-and-me version sort of reading of what the messaging of these films is in my eyes is 
anyone can be great by being the best version of themselves, not by fitting into society's notion of what a great person is, quote unquote. Right. I guess it has some similarity to Ratatouille. Yeah. Where it's right, like, not everyone can do everything, but anyone can be great at, well, that's not really, yeah. No, it's its its own thing. It's its own thing. And it's not a bad thing if you have a glitch. You don't need to be defined by a glitch, but you also don't need to hide your glitch. Yeah. Which is another thing about this movie. It's a big thing that you and Kanye West have in common. Both of you are into fashion. Kanye West loves Wreck-It Ralph. There's an interview with him from a couple years ago where he starts screaming about Wreck-It Ralph and saying that I'm the glitch and no one understood me. Right. He, like, relates really hard to Vanellope. Right. And her glitchdom. (laughs) Glitchdom. Yeah. 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 I relate to Vanellope, too. Yeah. I kind of have a little bit of a glitch. I don't know how I'm still here. <laughs> but that's what you're saying. That's my glitch. I made this it. is your Same origin out. story, right? It really is. Yeah. Right. Friendship saved you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Rick all right. Ralph. So I'm hosting. And yeah. Yeah, we're take us ta- into the plot. Take, Let's take the steering wheel. Did you all you rewatch the first one? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Okay. Joanne had never seen it, so I watched it with her. She must have loved it. Yeah, humble, humble brag. Humble brag. And in fact, thank you, Ben, for Did you watch it with your gals? I did not. No humble brag for you then? Nope. Mm-mm. I did, she hasn't seen either. Uh, and and Ben and I were hanging out with her right after we'd seen the movie, and she got really hyped up by how into it Ben was. And I was like, "You're gonna want to watch the first one first." Oh, for sure. I don't really Hold know. Your horses, you're gonna want. I don't the know that the second one lands as hard. Well, I guess it might. You need the backstory. You I do. think you do. Think you need the backstory because this is like this is like a friendship. Yes, but like you need it's like hyper friendship now. I forgot how antagonistic they are. Uh, towards each other in the first one because the second one they start out being like like the fucking best buddies of the world. Yeah. Like by the start of two they're like Scooby and Shaggy. So you kind of need to know like what's touching about that is how far they've come. Right. Okay. Plot time. (laughs) (laughs) Here he goes. So Ralph is a villain Mm -hmm. in this game and he pretty much just introduces the world. Uh, there's this. He's the Donkey game, Kong. He's the type. Donkey Kong. Yeah. His game is essentially just sort of. Uh, I'm gonna wreck it. He's got to wreck it. That's his job. He's he wrecks a, the building. He's at the top. He's at the top like Donkey Kong. And then little Felix, he has a golden hammer, as we've talked about. And he fixes stuff. I'm gonna fix it. Uh, that was not good. That was. Jeez. No good. No, that was bad. Do you want to try again? Liz Lemon. No, I can't do it. Never mind. Go on. Okay. And so, and then there's some people that live in the building. The nice landers. The nice landers. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, a very simple, basic sort of world that he lives in. Mm-hmm. And he's living in trash. He's living on a pile of bricks. <laughs> they don't invite him inside. He never gets a medal. He doesn't get any, any support. No one cares. And so Ralph is kind of upset about that. Yeah. So that's the beginning of the movie. He's sick of it. He's been doing it for 30 years. It's oh, the right. anniversary. It's the 30 anniversary. They don't invite so him to the milestone. party. They don't right. invite him to the party. Um, the I've little, been there. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's been there. Uh, the little like house people, what do you call them? The Nicelanders. The Nicelanders. They live in the right. Nicelanders apartment complex. Love, Their animation is so incredible. I was about to say, I oh, love yeah. the, the animation on them generate, so much. And in yeah. general, the first time I saw this movie, I saw it with my uh, roommate at the time, Molly, my, my BFF. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and we just, it was one of those things where we were like, I don't know, let's go see this movie. Yeah. Like, we were not like, wreck it, wreck it, wreck it, wreck <laughs> And then we like watch it and we, ent- we exit. I remember Molly being like, that was delightful. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? This sort of like surprising, like, 
Look at that thing. Well, even from the early points, like you look at all these details where it's just like, okay, they've like gotten the styles of all these games right, right? Then you go into, because it starts out with you seeing the game 8-bit style, right? Yeah. You go into the screen, the way they translate that with the way the Nicelanders move, but even like when Ralph wrecks the cake and the splatter from like the cake is kind of pixelated. Yeah. Like they just have such good consistent visual rules and they they do the the thing that I love where it's just like, it's it's a thing that I think is really big in animated films where it's like, we're just going to establish a thing and explain to you its currency and its worth and why the whole movie will center around this thing. Like the idea of the metal and what the metal means to everyone. Right. What it means to Ralph, what it means to Vanellope, mm-hmm. both in being the coin in the race. Yes. And getting the apartment complex. Like it's like the same way the memory orbs work in Inside Out. Well, to me, it's... The screen canisters and monsters in. I think the thing that it's most like is... um. The uh, pop-up book in Paddington 2 where you're like, on paper, Mm -hmm. who cares? It's just a pop-up book. It's just a gold medal. But like, we have enough. We understand from the beginning the emotional stakes associated. That's So it doesn't matter. Even though it's a childish uh, dream to attain it or whatever, we totally get why they want. That's what I love in kids' movies is when something is invested with emotional stakes that becomes the most valuable currency in the world. But I also like in this movie, it has literal applications that are different for different characters. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's also right. The The very clever twist is that it means something much more practical to uh, Vanel. Right. That she can yes. cash in as yeah. a coin, that he can use it. to get All right. this stuff is really just tight, tight, tight as a drum. I agree. Tight yeah. as a drum. Tight as a fucking right, drum. So Ra- Ralph doesn't so like So Ralph crashes this party. Yeah. He he, and he, he wrecks it. Mm-hmm. And he decides that he's going to go and get a medal and be the hero of his game. He goes to Tapper. Goes to Tapper. Oh, right. And the bartender... Who kind of is like a pseudo Mario? This is a real game called Tapper. That's like a marginal, yeah, really, epic yeah, game. That's, that's a real game. Yeah, you're trying I to serve as game. many mugs of root beer as you can. It has to be root beer because it's for kids. Fun. It's a real game. You never played that game? It's no. fun. I used to. I guess I used to uh, when I was a, a sort of te- early teen. I guess. Yeah. I would go to this bowling alley because it was sort of like. First of all, the Budweiser too. By the way, is in the screenshot David just showed. Really me. for Tapper. Yeah, I think that's so maybe beer, Disney I think was the, the root one beer who thing is a Disney thing. It. It's, yeah. it's yeah, it's well, there, but there's a root beer version, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, originally it was a Budweiser thing, and then a root beer tapper followed. I just remember because when this movie was announced, everyone's like, "Oh, Disney's like riffing on video games or whatever." And then when they were promoting it, like Rich Moore and people were like, "We're really big video game fans. Look, we put Tapper in it." Like this is when the nerd press started to be like, "Oh, is this movie made by people who like get it?" Right, 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 right. Because in the poster, they put, like, Sonic, like, front and center and Bowser. Yeah, you know, like, and these guys, like, don't really have parts. No, they're it's a one-off joke for any of them, essentially. Right. Um, I was just going to say, I used to go to this bowling, bowling alley because, you know, too young to go drinking. I mean, you were uh-huh. probably, like, murdering people in ditches or whatever it is you did as a 13-year-old. But the bowling alley had an arcade mm-hmm. with, like, old arcades, mm-hmm. such as Tapper. You know what was the thing I did? What? Do you know um, the canned air? Oh, yes. You mean wickets? We called them dusters. Yeah. That's what they, I mean. You're talking about like keyboard dusters. Yeah. 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 Gets you fucked up. I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. I mean, I, I, those things have gotten me fucked up when I was just trying to like use them to clean a keyboard. Or I whatever. was methodical about cleaning devices when I was like 14. Yeah. And I would always get frustrated that they wouldn't let me buy them because of kids like you. Right. They'd like card me trying to buy them. And I'd be like, I don't like dust in my keyboard. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> Would you just like blow it in each other's mouths or in the nose? Well, or- I mean, you just do it to yourself. 
Sure, no, right. Yeah, you blow it in your mouth. You're just talking about whip it in the woods. I, I think David was How asking. Are you alive? I don't know. David was asking your orifice of choice. Yeah. Has anyone ever butt dusted? I mean, someone has. Right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it probably would be really harmful. It probably would suck. Right? Yeah, because yeah. you know when you do things through your butt, it's it's straight to your bloodstream. Right. So also, it essentially would be like a reverse fart. Hey, David. Yeah. That was the, good. Yeah, you, I like that. You, David it was, was a reverse fart. You know. Yeah, David was busy writing his master's thesis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was briefly so Ralph, distracted by Tapper. Okay, so yeah. Ralph goes off, and we're now yeah. he's, he he goes to the Tapper game, and the bartender sure. basically gives him some kind of scoop or but something. But again, it's funny where the bartender like he's like. Yeah, like his oh, arms yeah. sort of moved jerkily. You know, right. all that stuff is so clever that they pulled that it's off. It's sort of like CGI low frame rate shit, which is, yeah, it's just really well done. Okay, so then, right, the bartender tells Ralph he has to go to Hero's Duty. Because they got medals there. They got medals. He mentioned it's the new game. No, I'm sorry. What yeah, he does yeah, yeah. is he says, check the lost and found. And oh, when right, he's looking right. the lost and found, drunk Joe Latrulio comes in from Hero's Duty. Right. He's got PTSD. He won't stop ranting about the bugs and the metal. And Ralph is like, I'm going to steal this guy's costume. I'm yeah. going to go into his game, which is akin to going turbo. Right. Another thing I love well, that- Although he denies that he's doing He's just like, I'm just visiting, essentially. But they yeah. set that up so early in that they first say you're like, not a non-meeting. Go turbo, are you? Right, yeah. which I thought was funny just as a joke in and of itself. Like, sure. it doesn't sound like exposition. I'm like, oh, it sounds like a video game phrase. Yeah. They would use a term like going turbo. Yeah. And you start to realize a specific thing. It's this character who left his game and then right it fucks everyone up it fucks everyone up it fucks up the whole ecosystem right because suddenly the game looks broken and so the game will be unplugged and also in this point in the movie they've sort of set up the rules of then how the real world Mm -hmm. and the video game sort of work Mm -hmm. and like the power bar being kind of like the the transfer station between all the games that's where I'm just like suddenly like I'm rocking back and forth in my chair. I'm like, I can't believe how good this is yeah. that the power strip is like an airplane, well, hang, you know, like an airport. Let's call hanger. this out. You love rules. Love when them. a movie sets up <laughs> rules that well, you get amped. You and get hard is, as a diamond. As I, as I know, I'm hard as a fucking diamond. As I noted in. <laughs> this movie's just like <laughs> rules. Like David's like, you're like obsessive, like train, like tendencies. Like come into play on this movie where you're like every train is arriving at the right time story wise. As I noted in my review of Ralph Breaks the Internet, yes, you know the, this much like the my beloved Matrix sequels mm-hmm. is uh, a world, a series about the lives of computer programs. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Ralph is technically, I guess, a video, but it's the same concept, right? It's like you're in yes. You're giving sentience to something that also must obey a program. Especially in two where they open it up and it's like, okay, the same kind of rules apply to how every app becomes a character. Uh, right, of right, course. All this stuff. Yeah. And I love the idea of the right, the conflict between the sentience you've given them and the programming they must obey. It is great. Yeah. But so it's once like again, their David job. It's like their right. job though, right? Well, that and especially in Ralph Breaks the Internet, that's where I'm like, wow. Like they're talking about growing up and getting a job and how that's boring <laughs> and they've somehow made this very energetic film about that <laughs> and how like then you can't see your friends as much yeah ralph anyway. rules <laughs> <laughs> ralph rules so he goes into hero's duty and you get this really intense action sequence like i remember seeing this yeah, being like it's i can't like believe they put Gears this in a disney War kind of game yeah. yeah 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 but it is like very dark very violent they get right. away with it because it's robot bugs so the yeah. violence yeah. doesn't feel but there's a lot of guns as you say yeah and there's the first person which i think is funny which is yes. like a mounted 
screen that's a little, you know, it's like a little eight-year-old girl with glasses or whatever who is with the soldiers. Right. And then, and you have uh, Jane Lynch, who's fucking great in this, as Sergeant Calhoun, who's programmed with the most tragic backstory ever. That's what's funny. That's her burden. Is <laughs> that they, just gets me. Right. It's so good. That first flashback where they go like, don't you know? It's like such a ridiculous. <laughs> and, and it's also, you don't have to know video game stuff to get no. it. It's like, yeah. The, just the joke of, not to like dissect the frog here, but the joke of, don't you know? And then you think they're going to explain the tragic backstory. And instead they go, she has a tragic backstory. <laughs> like the tragic thing is that she was given a tragic thing. And just, and that's the, 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 the they're having fun at the expense of these sort of uber bleak right. video games that were kind of flooding the market where it's, yeah. it's like the performatively, this is not for kids kind exactly. of. Right. But she herself is kind of like a mix between like a, a master chief and a Metroid. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, and this is this point where Halo, it's like, right. It's a Halo spoof too. But for some reason, right. the Gears of War was, well, yes, it's definitely a Halo spoof. But you have John C. Riley, who's a movie star, but the other three people are like Sarah Silverman, still pretty much like coming off a Sarah Silverman program at this point. Jane Lynch is the mean lady on Glee. And yeah. Jack McBrayer's the fifth lead on 30 Rock. Like it was weird people to put in a big Disney movie. It was, but I mean, Silverman is to me the most interesting. I mean, like uh, obviously Lynch and McBrayer being cast to type. Yes, They're, you know, perfectly. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, characters sure. look like them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. Silverman, I guess she's a pretty big deal at this point, just sort of as a person. She'd just been in, like, Take This Waltz. To though, put her like, in a family movie is No, weird. I agree with yeah. you. I'm trying to think if, like, so the Silver, Silver, ugh, the Sarah Silverman program ends in 2010. So okay. she's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you set up these parallel tracks now where it's like uh, uh, Felix. And Calhoun, once Ralph has stolen the medal and, and run off, he gets ejected in an escape pod, right. lands in Sugar Rush with this medal. And a bug. And a bug. Big detail. He got a bug. Yeah. And so then we meet the world of uh, Vanellope. Right. He gets pushed into Sugar Rush, which is a sort of Candy Crush meets Mario Kart style thing. So right? here's the Weiger complaint. This is, so Nick Weiger, who's one of the great people. Yes. Would you agree? I Top couldn't ten. agree more. Top 10 people. The Doughboys, Burger Boy himself. The best podcast. Yes. Period. Co-host of Doughboys. Yes. Um, uh, creator of the Monster Fuck. That's true on Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, and he, he used to write for Comedy Bang Bang. Uh-huh. He has the complaint that this is not really a video game movie. That it is a movie that is largely about candy. Right. Like, he's like, I used to work <laughs> in video games. Because we spend so much time in Sugar Rush, and there's so many great candy jokes to be made. That's his big thing, was like, I used to work in video games. I love video games. I was excited to see the Roger Rabbit of video games, a movie that, like, called out all the tropes, worked in all the sort of character types, all of that. And the first 30 minutes of this movie are definitely that. Yeah. And then at minute, like, 27, he lands in Sugar Rush. Yeah. And it becomes like mostly Candyland puns. Right? And you're mostly abiding by the rules of this one like, game. Like, do we see another game? I mean, obviously, there are the jokes about like Qbert and Mario or whatever, but like. Nothing new gets introduced from this point right? on, right? Like, I mean, you've set up the worlds and a couple of characters will come back from like uh, the, the power surge and all that sort of stuff, surge protector. But, but at this point, it's like primarily because even then, Felix and Calhoun very quickly are landing in. Sugar Rush as well themselves. Yeah. I would argue, though, like like mapping, like uh, or the the Mario Kart sort of stuff that yes. is in this. Right, 
like if you think about the design of Mario Kart, it, it's not that far off from like a banana peel versus like no, 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 it's not. No, like, it's, who it's fine. It's not, oh my the god! Com- the complaint is that from that point on, the major joke god, face. Ben, get your hands from around my neck! I'll fucking kill you, David! <laughs> Don't you dare! It's kill Weiger. It's not me. <laughs> you go to L.A. and take him down. I am. The, Take a bite out of him. The fold argument him like is, yeah, you got to fold him like laundry. Fold him like laundry. Fold him like laundry. We love boys. Uh, shout out to the Spoon Man. Um, the argument is that from this point on, the jokes stop being based around the video game tropes and start being based around candy puns. There's still which some is good. things. <laughs> the, yeah, the kid did look. The jokes. Laffy he's, Taffy, that's good. Yeah, I mean, Candlehead, obviously, we stand a legend. Like, oh, excuse me. I made it clear. Yeah, Rance's yeah, yeah. Flugger Butter is my yeah, ball. It's all about Candlehead. He's a there little are, stinker. And he's got a peanut butter cup on his head like a hat. You know, there are certain jokes like there's. I the, cheered when Rance's came on screen. Ben can back that up. There were it's two true. other people in the theater. They didn't like it. <laughs> Um, I want flug garbage. They got really mad when Gord came on the screen because uh, I just started humping the chair. The, the <laughs> script initially had a a fourth game, right? Called Easy Living, I believe. Extreme Easy Living. Was it gonna be like Sims? That was like sort of a Sims joke with okay. a bit of like the sandboxy uh, Grand Theft Auto stuff uh-huh. worked in, like a very mild version of yeah. it. Obviously, because it's a Disney movie. Um, and I guess it was just like. Uh, there was going to be something about like like buttons and stuff where I'm saying this because I feel like a lot this of rolls this onto, get, yes. p- gets put yes. in Ralph breaks the yeah. internet. They didn't right. have space for it here. But. Yeah. Uh, another game that was referenced is outrun, which was the replacement that a uh, game that made turbo f- go. Oh, turbo. sure. Okay. Yes. 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 Just saying. Yeah. You have other things in there. But yes, the movie becomes right. Okay, uh, it's a little candy oriented. Vanellope, Vanellope wants to be a racer. They won't let her because she's a glitch. Right. You can't play unless you got a gold coin. You can't get a gold coin unless you win. The the fucking government shutting things down, creating these labyrinthian systems that the, the everyday person can't beat. Right. So she steals the medal from Ralph. She throws it in the cup. She qualifies, but then they start flipping the fuck out. They destroy her racer. Yeah. And it becomes this, like, pet cause of Ralph. Even though Vanellope's been making fun of him, saying he's ugly, making a bunch of killer duty jokes. Definitely that he stinks. Right, that they gotta help each other. Yep. Ralph trains to become a better racer. Right. Meanwhile... She sleeps on a bed of trash like a homeless lady. Yeah. That has to be an ad lib, right? No she question. says, I wrap myself up in these wrappers like a little homeless lady. She's, I'm like, there's there's no way Disney scripted that she line. She is so fucking good in these movies. And I think, too, she gets even better. I, I think she's just, like, outrageously good in these movies. Like, insanely good. Everyone's good in them, but yeah, she kind of... Riley's great. In two, she hits, like, a next level Hall of Fame voice performance. I think Tudic is just fantastic. <laughs> I, I know that... King Candy. I said early no. in this episode, I think he's the MVP of this. I movie. love him. Yeah. I, but I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking to you. I'm saying, like, I yes. think in general, King Candy is not for everyone. He's certainly a very broad character. He's doing this kind of like Paul Lind voice. No, the guy he's really doing. Oh yeah, he's doing is his Edwin. Ed, Edwin, right, right, right. right, right. The the floating Dumb uncle. Cloth, oh, wow. right, yeah, right. from uh, Mary Poppins, who right. was a big Disney guy. Yeah, that's Tudic is so fucking. He's got so much range. Because, he has the range. Right, and even in uh, in, uh, in two, in he two plays, he plays uh, Mr. Nosemore, Mr. Nosemore, and I feel like that's another, like, oh, he's doing a very specific type of animation voice you know from the 1960s. Like, yep. he's really good at aping these different classical styles. He can also do his own voices. He's the best uh, unemotional robot voice in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good chicken. 
is a good chicken, but K2SO. Uh, Sonny from iRobot. Uh, I did not murder him. And of course, America's favorite non-emotional robot, Danger Boat. Oh, yeah. My love interest. Yeah. Is that going to get explored further? A lot. Season two, got a lot of stuff with Tudic. Yeah. Did you know that King Candy's the same voice as Danger Boat? No, I didn't. It's the same voice. I have never met him. I have so many scenes with him. I've never met him. I've never had any correspondence with him. Um, well, I'd like to shake his hand. I would too. I'd love to meet him. He's incredible. I was about to write. You haven't met him. You should meet him. No, I'd love to meet him. Disney makes him... Disney, the new version of Disney Future Animation has made him their John Ratzenberger. Yeah. Where he's the one they work into every movie. Whereas Ratzenberger has like one voice that is so recognizable and every time he shows up in a Pixar movie, you're like, oh, right, okay. With right, Tudyk, you're like, chameleon. oh, that's who Tudyk was? Exactly. Every was time with chicken? Tudyk, you're surprised that he right. was the chicken. And he right. was just going, Hurr. yeah, like that was his whole performance. He's so good. Yeah, he is. As a chicken. As everything. I'm well, a chicken, Marge. Well, or here's favorite the random. <laughs> back, to, back to the movie. Yeah, back to the movie, please. King Andy random. reveals himself to be well, a that's, bad man. That's a little later. I guess, yeah, I guess we're racing through it. Yeah, I don't know. Right, he, I like the shit in the code. I like that we see that. I also just oh, like. I thought of you when that yeah, happened. I was like, you, "This is you David of me jerking it." Yeah, <laughs> but I like how much of a master manipulator he is towards Ralph, where he's just like, "I know I look like the bad guy. I'm going to explain this rationally." Yeah, he gives. So a, you oh, stop God. questioning All right. me. But wait, wait, wait. That scene is great. Let's pull back because yeah, exactly. Okay. All the things like I like that Ralph is an inherently grumpy person. His breath stinks. Mm-hmm. His hands are big for smashing. Right, like. So with Vanellope initially, of course, yeah. he's kind of a heel. The size difference between the two the is size big. difference is so good. He's really he big. is big. Yeah. I love the scene where they make the uh, crummy racer for her, yes. and it looks it's so like dumb, and game. she's so like into it. Yeah. It makes me cry. She's such a good actor. Yes, because she, you were saying this was the same year as Take This Waltz. She's incredible in Take This Waltz. She is. She's great in that. And it's another thing where like, she's one of those comedic actors where when you give her a serious part, she doesn't tone down her charisma. She doesn't get too self-serious and dry away. Right. A lot of comedians, I think, make the mistake of going when they're like, oh, this is a drama. I shouldn't be funny. But she hits such precise emotional depths when she needs to. Right. Um, and that means that the uh, scene when um, Ralph smashes the car, he wrecks the car. is like so... I can't really. I almost excused myself from the room because I knew it was coming up. Yeah. And I was like, going to be like, I'm going like, to uh, go, go make some tea. Like, you know, I was going like, to try and be out of the room for five minutes because I knew he was about to smash the well, car. And, and I actually stuck it out. I was like, no, I have to I have to suffer through this again. And at that point, you're kind of buying King Candy's line. So you're like, fuck, this is one of right, those emotional like, Kobayashi Maru's where he has to look like an asshole in order to help her. Because they, King Candy's like, if she, if she uh, wins the race and yeah. she gets into the race and the game gets she'll shut die. down because they'll see it's a glitch. Glitches can't leave the game and right. she'll, yeah. Right, but but it's like you're watching and you're like, the only way he can be a good friend to her is to make her hate him. And you're like, God, this sucks. And you don't even know how much worse it's going to get because King Candy was fucking with his head. Yeah, he's terrible. But the other thing I just love about that turn is that it's like Ralph is being forced to go to his primal nature, mm-hmm. right? He is, he wrecks. His shame, he doesn't want to wreck. He doesn't want to wreck. He doesn't want to be a bad boy. It is the thing he is best at. But he's good at it. Right. He's good at being bad. How do they turn it around? Well, also, we should just mention that Felix, Felix and has teamed pants? up with, yeah. uh, what is the character's name? Sergeant Calhoun. Thank you. Sergeant Calhoun. And they have now discovered that there's a bug problem. Yep. 
And she also needs to get the medal for some reason. Uh, She's got to get the medal. It's got to be in her game. I think maybe it was the No, I, she just wants the bug deck. She wants the bug. She is all focused on the bug because she knows how bad the, right, they are. Right, that's the thing. Felix wants to get Ralph back because otherwise their game is their now game out of commission. They're going to get shut down. has like sure. a day before it maybe is going to get shut down. And she's like, you don't understand how dangerous these bugs are. You right. need my help. They could infect everything. And the re- I think the reveal of all the eggs underneath Sugar Rush is really funny. Yeah. That's funny. I just like the just, horror movie stuff. This is one of those movies where it's like every time they set something up that just seems like a funny joke in and of itself, it pays off later. Like the the fucking Mentos and like the Coca-Cola, you're like, that's just a good candy joke. But, but then like, you're like, that's like Chekhov's gun. Oh, no, it is a good, it's a Chekhov's Mentos. But yes, this is the thing where I'm like kind of siding with Weiger where I'm like, right, there's a whole set piece built around, men, built around Mentos and Diet Coke. Right, uh, that's not a joke about video game Functions. That's the, like, a joke about how candy. There are functions. things like the I'll devil dogs. Kick you guys out. <laughs> the devil dogs. Are you gonna get the cards out? I will. Death the, cards. Oh, death cards to both of you. <laughs> wow, oh, we're shit. both got death cards. Uh, you know, there's the devil dogs, which is funny. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, the the donut quicksand. The donut quicksand. The donut cops. Come yeah. on, let's think of beer what else. Papa, played by John DiMaggio. That's weird. 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 That, that beer Papa, Papa is, is the it. security guard. Both of these movies have like a surprising amount of what I imagine was a combination of like this is a funny play on words and also like uh, Purple the Mattress Company paid us a million dollars to put them in our right. movie. I like Sour Bill. Sour Bill's a good guy. He's, Sour he's Bill's cool. a great guy. That's our disposition but a kind heart. I feel like there's one other obvious. I mean I love that Vanellope's skirt is a um, Reese's wrapper. That All just, their designs are so good. All the kids. Minty Zaki. Candlehead. We Minty Zaki. Taffeta Mutton Fudge! Rancis, Flugger, Butter. <laughs> All right, well, I think we should get through the first movie. We're about yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, they do it. He so, starts realizing, right, know. King Candy's Turbo. <laughs> yeah, King he, Candy's Turbo. They do the big guy. race. Yeah. The race happens at the same time as, like, Turbo turns into a spider person. The bug! Uh, because of the bugs, and the bugs are swarming everything, and the race is kind of destroyed, and and all the people are exiting the game because they think that the bugs yeah, are going to take but, over. But, but yeah. Penelope can't leave. Because she's not, she's she hasn't crossed the finish line yet yeah. because she's a glitch. And then if she does, she'll become a real character. And Ralph realizes that the only way Cy to bugs, save the day is to own being a bad guy, to do the things. Well, he, he owns his wrecking. Right. He wrecks the Mentos. Right. Yeah, it's cute. But that's the breakthrough is I don't need to be the one who saves. I can be the one that wrecks and wrecking can save people. Wrecking can be great and Vanellope's glitching can be great. I don't need the revelation that Vanellope is a princess. I like it because I think it is funny and I have good laughs when it happens. Me too. I, I like also like the part when she says she's going to execute everyone. That's fun. It's very fun. I am very happy. Like, I'm just kidding. I'm very happy that in two she resets to her comfy clothes that they don't have her like yeah, affect not. the princess thing. Right. Now here's here's the one thing I could do without okay. the Owl City song in the end credits. Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's in some ways the game is very. I mean, the movie is very 2012. Very. Because uh, there's also that montage in the middle set to like Rihanna's da, "Shut da, Up and Drive." Da, 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 uh, yeah. You know, there's some there's some things where you're like, isn't this a Disney ben, movie? Ben is itching a death card. He's scratching. <laughs> so it. basically, Ben, you will brook no criticism. Is that that that's your you sort can't. of? You can't. Uh, no. The, the no. Film, <laughs> the film was nominated. For best animated feature at the Academy Awards, I think was viewed as the odds-on favorite. Kind of, I, I we've talked. This about was a this weird before. year. I think Brave was always the favorite, just because of um, 
the Brave Pixar wasn't factor. winning the precursors, and everyone was like, "This is a misstep for Pixar. This is when their their run ends." And then Brave won, and it was very odd. But it didn't win the Golden Globe for animated feature. What that went to Brave. So it did Weird. Brave did win that? Weird. It did, however, win the PGA Award. Yeah. Speaking of award and the winning. <laughs> have you guys, um, have you guys like, I don't know. I'm trying to find betting. You guys <laughs> okay. that was heard anything about insanely <laughs> seamless. Can I flip over some cards? <laughs> flip them over. And this isn't a death card. Here's, here's a hand I've been holding under the table secretly. And I'm going to flip them over and show them to everybody. Ah, oh, he brought his hand out. Sometimes there's some funny make ups with these ads. Sure. Okay. We lie. There are false premises, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to make a big confession here because I just want to live an honest life now. Okay. All these times we've been doing ads for Brooklyn, I didn't even have Brooklyn in shape. I was the Brooklyn in there. And they kept on sending me saying, hey, they want to send you a free sample. And I was like, hold your horses. Hold your horses. I'm disorganized and I don't like responding to emails. Yeah, Griffin, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's terrible at responding to emails. Probably the number one worst, Tumblebrag. Mm-hmm. So I moved apartments. I got I've a new been bed. The, I've been the one standing the legend that is Brooklyn in the entire time, which because I love my Brooklyn in so much. Moved apartments. Got a new bed. And then wrote back to Brooklyn was like, hey, is it too late to cash in that offer from nine months ago? They sent me sheets within a week. These things are so good. I know. Genuinely I've so been good. telling you. I don't have to act anymore. I'm sleeping on them every night. I feel like a goddamn king. Well, but you were never acting. I want to be clear because like it was usually like we were talking to the guy who had like linens by the brook right. or whatever. Well, that, you was know, like, that was me. That was me. No, that was the guy with the Brooklyn. Yeah, oh, right. Brooklyn. Of course, you're Brooklyn. Yeah, what are you talking no, about? I'm sorry. Jeez, no, Ben's right. delusional. He's real shifty in his chair right now. Um, but yeah, no, because did you realize that you spend a third of your life in the sheets and it was time for a bedding upgrade? Well, and what's crazy is I probably spent half of my life I in the sheets. Say, I don't like leaving I bed. I genuinely now go to my bed at any t- hour of the yep. day if I just need to sort of like relax Same and here. center myself. Same here. Because I love those Lux Brooklyn and sheets. You got the Lux too. Yeah, so they, they describe them as buttery, and I'm like, am I going to like that? Is that going to feel weird? Because right, sometimes I... things can be too soft or whatever, I guess. This is like perfect. It is. And Joe Gardner, our friend. And the more you wash them, the softer they get. Joe Gardner, our friend, had been like, are Brooklyn actually good? Because you guys, and I was like, look, I don't know. I can't tell you. I haven't actually ordered them. And he was like, I'm going to use the code and order them. And he was like, these are genuinely the best sheets I've ever had. They are. I mean, they're five-star hotel quality sheets. Yeah. They're affordable. They're easy to order because they just work directly with the manufacturers and directly with the customers. There's no middlemen, so it's cheaper. You can get mix and match or like 20 colors and patterns. What's up, Ben? Ben's raising his hand. I have a question. Sure. Shoot. How many colors do they have? And do they have patterns? Different patterns, All too? Of it. All of it. 20 colors. 20 plus colors and patterns. Damn. Yeah. And they've got towels, robes, uh, sleep masks. I'm genuinely going to Candles. Get, I'm going to get a second set. I'm going to order a second set mm-hmm. at full price, but I'm going to use our promo code. I have multiple friends who've used our promo code to get two sets of I can't recommend this thing And have like enough. literally junked their like old sheets. I don't want to show favoritism, but I will say this goes into Griff's ad read. Hall of Fame. With RX Bar, these are two products I love, cannot vouch for enough. Yeah. Anyway, they've got an exclusive offer for Blank Check listeners. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code CHECK at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen's so confident in their product that they use all their sheets, comforters, and towels with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code CHECK at brooklinen.com. So do you hit option command and then like eight? Is that what it is? Yes. And then you have to To open up MS Paint and you have to draw a check mark. Oh, okay. You go to B-R-O-O-K-L-N-I-E-N.com. Promo code CHECK. 
you can get $20 off in free shipping. Hey, look, and I'll say this. Great Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa present for anyone you love, or great present for yourself. Maybe treat yourself a little nice this holiday season. Yeah. Well, I'm sold. So Record Off 2 ends with everything being perfect. Yeah. They're now good friends. Peace has spread throughout the gaming land. Right. The, I mean, the people are nice to her. Uh, now the the I mean to him sorry the um, both on both sides the, no no yeah, yeah the sugar right. rush people accept Vanellope the other kid racers the nice landers are nice to Ralph everyone kind of understands the ecosystem we all play right. our parts we all help each other don't villainize the the other right and it's so nice too because they get some of the the games like Cuber and the the the, mm-hmm. the the characters that don't have a home anymore mm-hmm. they bring them into the fold because Wreck It Ralph. Has good values. Right. So it's fun. It loses the Oscar. It gets great reviews. It underperforms relative to the other modern Disney films. It's the only one of the modern run that doesn't crack 200 domestic. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to do the box office game. You're right. 189 domestic. I mean, a good number. 471 worldwide. I just remember seeing the trailer and being like, this is going to make all the fucking money in the world. Oh, interesting. You made a a wildly inaccurate prediction about a Disney movie. We'll get to that in a second. Hmm. Okay, so box office. November 2nd. Opens at number one? 2012. It opens at number one with $49 million. I was going to guess the number. Oh, sorry. Okay. What were you going to guess? I was going to guess 47. I would have been off by two. Pretty good. Um... Number two mm-hmm. is a uh, like an R-rated grown-up drama hmm. that uh, with a big star mm. uh, from a big director that was a you know a moderate hit got a got got awards attention. Was it opening this week or yes? And opened at number two. What was the final box office total? Ninety three million domestic. Huh. And it did get some Oscar play. I believe it got two nominations. Were they both performances? No, one was writing and one was performance, I think. One was writing, one was performance. It's a studio drama from a big director. Yeah. And the performance was in a leader supporting category. Lead. Got a big lead star. Performance. A big star. Ninety-three. Oh fuck, I'm so close to this thing. I believe the movie was Flight. Correct. Cool. Opening to $24 million. Number three is that year's Best Picture winner. That year's Best Picture winner is, of course, Casper, A Spirited Beginning. You did it. 2012. No, it's Argo. That's right. Still doing well. Still doing good. This is... Um, came out in September. It's still in the top five in November. It's in its fourth week. Uh, so I guess it came out very early October, maybe. Maybe that's right. First week. Um, yeah, because I think, yes, uh, October. Yeah, early yes, October. Yeah. Number four. Uh, and, hey. and it brought Ben Affleck. Right back up to the top, and he stayed there very comfortably. <laughs> it's more like Arg, no. I'd say Arg, okay. It's Arg, okay. <sighs> it's Arg, okay. Arg, okay. Um, number four is a new movie this week, and it is directed by a legendary rap artist. Uh, is it The Man with the Golden Fist? Close. It, wrong It's substance. the right movie, but the wrong title? Yeah, wrong uh, metal. Uh, me, me, fuck! It's not golden. No, it's man with the bronze. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, think about the artist. It, it, this is the movie I'm thinking of, right? It's the it's the RZA's movie. Just Correct. say the right metal. What what metal does another member of the Wu Tang Clan really love? Us, sort of. What? Why am I not thinking of this? Ghostface. What metal Ghostface does he love? Loves this uh, this uh, metal. silver. 
He's guessed three medals Platinum? and they're all huh? No. Come on. What medal does Ghost What's, has a, what's the I, last? Do I look like an idiot right now? You do. What's the last word in the title? You you said it right. Fist. Okay. What's a medal that goes with fist? It's a medal that goes with fist? Brass? I'm actually, I'm actually amazed he gets a, a fourth medal that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, sh- fair enough, but no, no, there's like Tin, a... aluminum! <laughs> what? Is this a bit? Silver, gold, bronze, uh-huh. brass, sure. tin, aluminum. I have to get it eventually, yeah, right? keep going. Now I just want you to no, name this is, medals. Yeah, this is miraculous. Pewter. It's Pewter. Not, really, not really a medal. <laughs> yeah. What's the big medal I'm forgetting? Uh, there's plenty. I mean, you want to reel off some more medals? If you have clothes, okay. If you have clothes and they're wrinkled, uh huh. What do you do? Iron fist. What's he doing? A bit? I can't tell. Ironing. You know, I know you got it right. The man with the iron fist. I wasn't doing a bit. Okay, because you don't think of that. Marvel's Iron Fist was yeah, yeah, I get it. And then of course, um, Ghostface likes Iron Man. Right, of course. Right. Anyway, made fifteen domestic. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. Yeah, we had a great time. What a strange tin hand! You remember that tin hand? The man with the brass fist. I, I remember everything right. except for that. I was right. gonna say, like, you remember that movie, which was you know pretty quickly forgotten. Uh-huh. You remember that it was like uh, directed the by the weekend the Rizzo. it came out. I remember Russell Crowe was right, in. and you're like, that's right, but you can't remember Iron. <laughs> Wait, what can I tell you? Number five. I'm a little stinker. You are. Number five. I'm a regular Rancis Flugger Rotter. Is a, a sequel, an action sequel. It's an action sequel. In its fifth weekend, it's made 125 domestic. Wow. So it came out September? Uh, that sounds right. It's an action sequel made 125 domestic. October 5th, actually. Was it the number two in the franchise? Yes. Was it the last one? No. How many more have they made? Uh, one more, I think. There's three of them. It's yeah. a tight trilogy. Does it have a big action star in it? I mean, he is now. He hasn't always been. Oh, is it? It's a. Is it Taken Two? Correct. Cool. Correct. One of the best premises for a sequel. Uh, we've talked about it multiple times. It is not good. I wasn't going to relitigate. I was just going to say it's not a good movie. No, no. Um, but you're right that Wreck-It Ralph does not make the kind of money where you're like. Disney's going to have to make a sequel. Like Frozen. Tangled does two. Frozen does 400. Zootopia does 350. The thing about Frozen was. It Moana was like, does 250. Disney never does sequels to the princess shit in right. theaters, but it was like Frozen is just such a phenomenon. You they can't just have not to make, make a, a sequel, sequel right. in this uh, movie making climate. That's the thing that was interesting was when they announced the Ralph sequel, it felt like we're making this because there's potential in this universe, not right. because it's the one as much that's demanded or, by the numbers. You know, maybe it was one of those movies that just killed in on video, like that. Like I Disney just grew. liked the numbers they were seeing. I like, think it grew. I think it's really kind of stuck in the culture. I think people like the characters. I get the sense the merchandise still sells well all of the above and i think rich moore had sort of become their hot guy zootopia was sort of a problem i was writing letters ben was writing a lot of letters zootopia had sort of become a problem film and after ralph they put him on zootopia to try to fix that and then zootopia blew up and he won an oscar i got a season to desist i think he had been trying to make a ralph sequel at that time before they put him on zootopia sure. and i wouldn't be surprised if he was like i'll do zootopia if you let me make a ralph too because then very shortly after Zootopia, this was announced. Zootopia was such a hit. Yeah. Huge hit. It, yeah. I don't very know. Very woke. What if, what if cartoon but woke? 
Um, so Zootopia, which we're not discussing at all. Um, and then, well, David, don't try to keep it moving. Ben, of course, is the host of this. Oh episode. yeah. Oh, yes, well, so to get us back on track, <laughs> yeah. God, David. Woo. Uh, so of course, um, I'm a kind of a connoisseur of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay, cool. So I just wanted to sort of let our listeners know just like contextually where I saw this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was a few days ago when I was with a good friend of mine um, named Griffin Newman. Downtown Griffin Newman. And Griffin and I went over to the Kipps Bay AMC, not, I, not far from where we were currently recording. No, not at all. Uh, it was, was a rainy night? The rainiest night. I got uh, hit by a car on the way to the theater. I didn't tell oh, you this, yeah. David. Yeah, Griffin what? got hit by a car. How, like, clipped by a car? Or like It fully hit me. <laughs> and it hit me. Great. I'll say this. It hit me as directly as a car could without seriously injuring me. Okay. Like, I walked it off, but it was like, oh, but for the grace of God. Like, a millisecond's difference. I had the right, right of way. There was a white pedestrian light. Mm. It was raining very hard. And this car full-on turned and hit me. And I, like... In a rare move of aggression, like hit the hood of the car sure. and did my like pointing at the light, like, what the fuck? And the guy, I looked, I made eye contact with the guy uh-huh. and the guy had such like fear in his eyes because he had just thought he was about to murder somebody. Right. Of course. I mean, it's the ultimate uh, nightmare. Right. Like it was right? raining yeah. so hard. He took a quick turn. You could pouring, like barely right. see ahead of you. Yeah. And I think he like put the brake at the last millisecond so that I didn't get injured. Where are we talking? Where? Where? He was turning on to try to get onto the... Um, so you're crossing with the light, and he's... I was crossing with the light. He's got the green light to go ahead, but he's just turning recklessly. Correct. Right. He didn't have the light for the turn. Sure. And then I walked three more blocks, got to the theater, and said to Ben, I just got hit by a car. And, and I we sat down in a the theater. Well, you were wet. I was soaking wet, which Ben really liked. I was little but wet. Ben, ben does like him wet. Little but wet. Yeah. Um, and we watched this movie. Now, first of all, I want to say for a little bit of context, there was a trailer that came up that we've been saying we were going to talk about on this episode. It's a movie called Spies in Disguise. Okay. Let's cross it off the list. I've got a list, of, we have a list of things we have to talk bullshit about. we have to talk so, about. Okay. So, Griffin goes to me, Ben. Like, so the trailers started and Griffin's mm-hmm. like, okay. pay this attention. Is, I said, Ben, pay attention. David wants to talk about this on the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw this trailer whenever it, the day it came out. Now, your original plan was you want to have Ben watch the trailer live while yes, recording right, so we get right, the real-time right, reaction. Right. And I said, well, what look, can you do? it's ruined, but just watch this and take note of what's going on. And about 60 seconds into the trailer, we're watching Very Hip Spy, voiced by Will Smith, who I don't believe has any dialogue in the trailer up until that point. But he's doing cool debonair things. It feels things. like some sub-incredible like 60s-style yeah, exactly. spy shit. And I went, Ben, you think you're on the same track as this movie, right? And he went, yep. And I went, cool, just pay close attention. And then there's a hard cut to a little pigeon in a oversized tuxedo crumpled on the floor. Sure. And Ben turns to me and he says, good. <laughs> I'd say he laughs like that first, but only for about two seconds. And then the laugh clips off Just abruptly and good. he turns to me and says, good. <laughs> because you see in Spies in Disguise, mm-hmm. the secret agent guy, Turns into a pitch. Gets turned into a pitch. It's the highest concept movie ever. Here's what if. But like, it's beyond high concept. What if Will Smith, the world's coolest super spy, gets turned into a pigeon? Right. But it's not like one of those things where you're like, well, of course, you know, classical literature, Shakespeare, 
man into pigeon is one of the you know one of the archetypes Follow of storytelling the logic chain here you know where this is going yeah. he's yeah. a very cool spy he's got a lot of gadgets you know, he's very slick and handsome people like him of course he gets turned to a pigeon what is the yin to man's yang it is pigeon <laughs> What's on the other side of this coin? Well, they pigeon. try to justify it. They say, what better way to to, to disguise yourself? They're, they're everywhere. No one pays but any like, attention the, to them. Surely. I, I right. mean, it could be a chameleon, I guess. <laughs> the, the thing about this movie is every time its logic is indefatigable. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. And then, of course, I see this trailer. Mm-hmm. And then I was I went away for a weekend um, with David Ehrlich Humble and Bragg. his wife. Uh, me and my girlfriend went away. Double hump right. And the girls, or at least whatever, like, you know, we were like, we're going to watch this trailer when we get, you know, mm-hmm. no spoilers. Yeah. We watched the trailer. Obviously, it goes over great. Well, and we were talking about this the other day. How The thing is, you could pause this trailer and say to someone, guess what you think happens next? And with the pre-warning of there's a crazy there's twist. There's a twist coming, right. And like infinite number of times, infinite number of universes, no one would guess it. Right. But also, you could never overhype it to someone. Like, no one would watch the trailer and go... You know what? I'm sorry. When you told me there was a crazy twist, I just imagined something much crazier. So I was let down by the reveal right, in the trailer. Right, right, right. You're never going to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then uh, I'm like spies in disguise. Wait a second. Spies in disguise. <laughs> They're in disguise. They're in disguise. They're in, spies in disguise. They're in disguise. Disguise. Like Aloha. It's about disguise. The tagline is super spy, super fly. The cast, of course, is Will Smith as Special Agent Pigeon. Lance Sterling, I believe. Tom Holland plays the tech genius millennial tween who turns him into a pigeon. And the other names here, Rashida Jones, Karen Gillian, and who, of course, do you put in your animated film? Legendary pussy (laughs) non-eater DJ Khaled. (laughs) Legendary annoying influencer who doesn't, you don't really get why he's so famous. (laughs) Well, let's make up a movie star, too. The DJ definition Khaled. of a man where you go, he's not that attractive, but he's probably generous with oral. <laughs> DJ Chow. <laughs> Could you imagine having the confidence of being DJ Khaled and saying, like, I'm not going to do that? He said it on, like, a... Isn't it also... I didn't even... I don't even remember it. It's one like, of the great interviews. It's up the there with, like, like, Frost like, Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the all-time great interviews. But isn't it where they're just sort of talking... He, I How does it come up? He volunteers it independently. No, I know, but, like, why Why is it even up for discussion? I don't remember. You're saying culturally, why is it even... No! What? Why, it's like, the guy doesn't say, like, do you eat pussy? Like, I think it's more like they're just talking about sex in some way. Right, and he's like, by the way, I don't eat pussy. <laughs> right? Like, isn't well, it kind he's of... He's talking about, like, his wife. I think that's the context. Yeah, right, and their relationship yeah, right. or something. And, and then, then he really grossly says, like, I never do that for her. And but it... I expect that she does that for me. He's talking about that. He's saying, like, you gotta keep it up in the marriage. You gotta keep things exciting. You can't just let the fact that you've been together for a while you know, get complacent. You know, I let her know, like, she has to keep doing that. And they were like, and you probably do the same, right? And he's like, absolutely not. (laughs) And I remember the DJ is just sort of like, what? Come on, man. You, yeah, well, come on. you got it. What are you talking about? Like, this, like, <laughs> by the way, this was not on the list of topics we were <laughs> planning to discuss today. But, we have a long list. But his explanation, and this is very sound logic and you can't argue with it, is no, but I'm the king. I fucking hate You have to understand guy. I'm the king I, of the who, house. Who, who fucking And the host says, but she's the queen and he happen. went, no, but it's different. I'm not going to do that. <sighs> anyway. I'm not going to do that. Spies in disguise. They're I'm not going to do that. They're in disguise. Okay, so here's what I want to tell you about spies in disguise. Because your mind was blown by this trailer, and you were like, how do they fucking get to this concept, right? 
There was a man. I'm, wait, I'm waiting. I'm listening. Works in the entertainment industry, works in animation, works in video games. Self-produced his own animated short film. Okay. It has a name, right? It's like Operation Pigeon or something. Correct. I, I believe it's called Pigeon Impossible. Okay. They definitely upgraded with Spies in Disguise. Fox and Blue Sky. You are correct. It's called Pigeon Impossible. I've watched the short. I did my research for this, okay? Okay. Fox buys this short for a ton of money and then hires other people to write and direct a movie. This movie's been in development for a while. So it's one Wait, of those- so Fox sees this and is like, I don't even care about this piece of shit. We just need Spy Turns into Pigeon. We need this so desperately. David, you're half right and half wrong because I'm saving the reveal of what happens in the short, okay? But Fox sees a thing made by an outside independent animator and they go, we will pay you millions of dollars right. to have the rights to this short. We don't want you making a feature film adaptation. Right. We're going to hire other people to do it. This concept is so money. We fucking need this. Working through, working through different iterations, different teams. They finally a year ago announced Will Smith. The film is now called Spies in Disguise. Here's the premise. He's the world's sleekest super spy and his assistant is a tech kid. Okay. And you go, what, what, based off a short called Pigeon Impossible, what does this have to do with anything? Okay. And all the times they were talking about the movie, they were like, it's just a comedy about a very cool spy and an odd couple pairing with a weird tech kid. Right. So I went and watched this trailer, the, the original, before the trailer was uh, uh, released, I went and watched, watched the, short the original short film. Here's the premise of the short film. There is a cool spy. Spy guy. Walter Beckett or whatever. He's got a briefcase. Cool. That is the briefcase that like activates the nuclear codes. Yeah. And launches all the missiles yeah, 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 to blow yeah, yeah. up the world or whatever, right? There's a pigeon. He's sitting on a bench with it. There's a pigeon who's trying to eat a bagel. Through a weird series of circumstances, no dialogue in this short. Pigeon gets stuck in the case. And the, the entire short is a pigeon is stuck in a case. He activates the red button. And the spy is trying to free the pigeon and stop the missile from blowing everything up. Okay. Fox sees this, goes, we need to make a movie out of this. Right. But immediately realizes of, what's the premise. Right. But they've already spent so much money for this concept that they have to work the pigeon into it somehow. So the premise becomes <laughs> the spy is the pigeon. Because what they bought was Griffin, pigeon gets what trapped you're in describing a is good business strategy. Yes. Where it's sort of like, I don't know, whatever idiot made the initial acquisition. Someone runs into Fox, right. breathless, goes, I've just seen the most incredible short in my life. A pigeon gets caught in a suitcase. I offered him $6 million. Right. We got to do this. And they're like, what? How do you make it and two they, hours like, watch long? it. And they're like, this isn't a movie. And the guy's like, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> like, you're like, Wait, the, maybe. Why, why did I pay $6 million? But the check has already been deposited. <laughs> They can't at this point just make a comedy about spies because then what did you spend the so money on? So then they like they assemble like Steven Zalian, like Jenny Lumet, right? Like you know they they call in all these ringers and they're like, someone walks in, like Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross walks in and writes on the whiteboard like spy plus pigeon. Yes, you gotta figure this That's out. The equation. That's all we need. These two elements. Correct. Put it together. Correct. I I don't know what else. I'm sorry, but like this is something you, you have a week. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it's great. So that's how you get to that movie is, I don't know, I guess the spy turns into a pigeon because we spent money on a spy and a pigeon and we need them both to be in the same movie. Right. That having been said, if that Will Smith pigeon spy ends up in a suitcase in the movie, I will lose my shit. If they've actually worked in that set piece, I will lose my shit. I will cheer. I will stand a legend. That is Spies in Disguise. Stand a legend. 
All right. Uh, can we cross off the list? Yep, done. Yeah, I cross off the list. Okay, so here's another like prediction. Eight more things. I think the live action, quote unquote, Lion King will be the highest grossing film in history. Oh, so we're just doing this. David thinks I'm a fool, and yeah. I just want to say this on the record right now. Yeah. Now we're going to source out to our listeners. David has said we should have a bet with something yeah. at stake. Like a, sort of a steak dinner type bet. But perhaps something a little crazier, not in sure. terms of expense, but maybe in terms of certainly not in terms of expense, involvement, please. in terms of ridiculousness. Oh, uh, uh, sure. I'm interested. Well, right. Or I was trying to think of like a, a more novelty meal, right? Like that you would want to like, you know, it's like we owe each other dinner at Mars twenty one twelve, except down. that's closed right. down. But like a Chuck E. Cheese in medieval times. I mean, it has to be something that has a little like pep to it as a bet. You know, you know, I've never been to Dave and Buster's. David, you would love Dave and Buster's. I mean, it's right there in the name. <laughs> My girlfriend hasn't been to Dave and Buster's either, and I told her about humble it. Break. And she, humble break. She found out for the first time that it existed, and she was like, "What is this place?" And I was like, "Imagine Chuck E. Cheese, but it's a bridge and tunnel bar." So and her how brain about exploded. Whoever <laughs> wins the bet has to like treat you and the you know everyone the problem is i will be going there tomorrow night with my girlfriend because now she knows it exists fair enough all right Humble i break. thought you guys are going to take it more like he has to drink milk and you have to do something you don't want to do i mean that's another avenue here okay you you don't like milk i hate it it's the worst thing in the world but i don't want to make him drink milk i don't It'd be either. funny though i guess so. i won't have to because johnny fabs is going to clear all right, two so billion here, all right so you think the lion king yes which is directed by john favreau mm-hmm. and is going to come out in uh, July of 2019. I believe the exact 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary of the original film. It's coming out the same day, 25 years later. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nostalgia at an all-time is, high. Uh, who's going to play no, the baboon? No, it's not the exact same Oh, really? Day. It was June. Who's playing the long. baboon? It's, um, uh, what's his name? It's uh, John Connie, right? The father from uh, Black Panther? Rafiki, yes. John Connie, mm-hmm. the legendary South African playwright who is a great, revered playwright. Yeah. And actor, but like, revered playwright is now just kind of like a Disney guy who yeah. does like Black Panther and the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Robert Guillaume, you know, Benson right. played the, the fucking Rafiki. Show some respect. The great Robert Guillaume. No, he's great, but I'm yeah. saying like yes. for, for Rafiki, the first time they were like, oh, let's get Robert Guillaume. He's having funny. He's a sitcom star. This time they're like, let's get legendary playwright. Well, well John Favreau, I think correctly was like, oh, maybe Lion King shouldn't star predominantly white people. Well, Robert Guillaume is black, but yes. Robert Guillaume and, and James Old Jones and everyone else in the cast was white. Pretty much. Matthew right? Broderick does not seem like someone from the African plains. Wait a second. You're telling me Matthew Broderick isn't black? You know me, Simba from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this time I feel like the only... Donald uh, Glover, Beyonce. Of course, the great African-American actor, Billy Eichner. <laughs> no, I mean, Timon and Pumbaa are white because, uh, I don't know, I don't tradition. <laughs> I think this movie's going to make such a stupid amount of money. Right. I think it's the exact kind of movie where no one thinks about it being the level of blockbuster it's going to be. They're like, well, it's Disney, whatever. It's going to make money. But every time one of these things has comes out, right. people are astonished by how much it overperforms. Yeah. Look at Beauty and the Beast. Look at fucking Jungle Book. Right, but they did not make, they were not even close. But they've been escalating. They've been growing bigger and bigger. They have yeah, been getting. They're going to get bigger. Bigger and bigger. Right. You have The Lion King, which is the most beloved. Of that generation. Yeah, I would agree. There's a new Lion King show on the Disney Channel. New generations of kids are getting really into it. Right. The trailer just broke all the fucking records outside of Infinity War. Yeah, but so what? Infinity War didn't crack the record. It's true. I don't care about trailer 
views. I think this movie is like the definition of like a four quadrant slam dunk. You have Beyonce in it. All right, so I've got my, I've got my you go ahead. I go think ahead. the music's going to activate people. I Ugh. think everyone's going to go see it. It's being sold this fucking technical thing you got to see in theaters. Sure, sure, sure. I think it's one of those movies where unlike Infinity War where everyone's like breathlessly like talking about everything, no one seems like they're that excited for it and then literally everyone will go see it when it comes out even the people who hate it. That's all Possible, yeah. But even if that happens, that's not that's not how you get to the top. If everyone sees it, yes, no. that is how you get to the top. No, how you see it is everyone sees it again and again and again. That's how Titanic and Avatar did. Okay, you got to get those return viewing. I think they'll get return viewing. No, because here are two problems. One, this movie is a bowl of farts. In your opinion, <laughs> there's no question that this movie is going to be a bowl of farts. I'm not saying it looks good. I'm saying that everyone's going to see it four times. No, they are Yes, they not. are too. <laughs> because it's going to suck. Much like Beauty and the Beast, it's going to be either you're like, oh, this is exactly like that movie I remember. Or it'll be like that song in Beauty and the Beast where the Beast is like, I am the Beast and it's terrible that I hate being the Beast. And you're like, what's this shit song? We still have a whole second Ralph movie to talk about. You know what I mean? Where he's just like, I am the Beast. For the listener at home, David's arm movements are really funny. He's doing a really good impression of the Beast. And then you you come out later and you're like, what was that song? And it's like, you read like Tim Rice was like, I just wanted to add a song to that perfect score I wasn't involved with. And what I'm saying to you is that I think John Favreau is pitching this one straight down the middle. He is. And yeah. he's just essentially doing a very big hit. A I mean, shot like, for shot. And it's just well, trying to activate all the feels. It's one of those movies where everyone's gonna see the trailer go. and they get choked up and they go, oh, remember when I was a kid? And the fucking 3D release of The Lion King. Now you said it made $200 million. I have no idea where you got the number from. It did not. It made 94 domestic. Oh, well, I don't know about worldwide. Cares These about things worldwide. matter. Ah, I think of. it's going to be both records. I think it's going to be the highest grossing domestic and worldwide film in history on the record. Please tweet at us what, with what you think the stakes of the bet should be. Alright, so who here, I just, just to finish this, I have yep. some numbers for you. Okay. One, what is the highest grossing children's film ever made? Which this is a children, you know, PG or lower. I hate this argument of yours because your argument is pure children's film. And yes, I would argue they don't perform as well. that all these films that are have outgrossed it are films that also worked for children. And that's what The Lion King is going to do because it's for the adults who grew up with The Lion King and for the children as well. I understand it's closer that. to Force Awakens in that sense. Right. You're maybe, the, what? Frozen. The, your answer frozen. is Frozen. The right? 13th highest grossing film of all time. $1.2 million. If you... Double mm-hmm. that gross. Double yep. it. Uh-huh. You are not the highest grossing film of all time. You have to, and that's doubling it. I don't think that's the right comp. What's the right comp? I think any number of things are the right comp. I'm Beauty and the Beast is the same. It's 1.2. And if you double it, you don't get to 2.7, which is the Avatar number. Now, you just said that you don't care about worldwide. Sure. But now you're throwing out worldwide numbers. Well, oh, I, but I thought the bet was worldwide. I'm talking both. Well, the domestic record is 936 for Star Wars. Uh-huh. That is very, that's going to, that's staggering. And the other thing I Beauty and the Beast at 504 and no one liked it. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. And this one, no one's going to like it either. It'll probably People make 600 are, million gonna dollars. Like You're going to hate it. Everyone's going to like it and then forget about it a year later, but everyone's going to like it when it comes out. Um, here's the other thing. I just want to remind you that you gave Jungle Book a good review when it came out. And now you're like, no one liked the Jungle Book. I didn't give it a good review. I believe you did. You saw it and you were like, it's good. 
I saw it and I was like, it's okay. And I then think I, you gave it a re- I did not review it. I, don't, I think Chris reviewed it. Okay. But um, here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. What's the highest grossing summer release of all time? What's the highest grossing summer release yes. of all time? Infinity War. Yes. Which made $2 billion. Uh-huh. It is harder to gross that kind of crazy money in the summer because other movies are coming in and sure. chopping things up. Sure. Those big three guys, the sort of the, the Titans, Avatar, Titanic, and Force Awakens. They were winter releases. That's where the money's made. But you kind of got to release Lion King in the summer because it's, it's sunshiny. Look, I like the... Right, ba- Ben? Oh, uh, Ben's in a deep sleep. <laughs> yeah, because we're not talking about Ralph. I like the bet. The thing's going to clear two bill, no question. So Risk? I'm willing to take the risk on the spread in between two bill and the record. That's fine. I, I, I admire your bet. Episode nine comes out that December. Yeah. Frozen 2 comes out that November. Yeah. There's no question Disney's going to run the table on that year. Oh, Disney's going to may have another depressingly intense year, yes. Right. You have Avengers 4 in April. Mm-hmm. Could be a big year. Could be a big year. Yeah. Could it be a big year? You know my arguments Toy Story have merit. Yeah, Toy Spider-Man Story 4. in July. Well, that's Sony. Sure. Yeah. Are we going to be here for five hours? No. Okay. So take the Detective Pikachu and Toy Story 4 topics off the the minutes we'll talk about that later another time you the 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 sound you're hearing are a million voices rise crying out in terror well we'll say anguish. we'll save that for another that we'll talk about those you don't want to talk forky we'll talk forky another time we'll talk about forky in our big eyes episode okay so what else is on the minutes that we have to talk about other than ralph too uh john hodgman left us a voicemail oh yeah let's play the john hodgman <laughs> voicemail do you have a queued up ben or should we save it for the end of the episode uh Hold on. Is that the last thing on the minutes? Um, I've written down live action people directing animated movies. Oh, here's the thing I'm going to talk about to fill the time because this episode's running a little short. <laughs> There's a weird trend I've noticed. <laughs> this is one of those Griffin was just like, write this down. And I was like, okay. It'll make sense later. <laughs> right. There's a weird trend I've noticed, yep. which is animation often uh, directing teams, one or two directors, mm-hmm. part of it being a large uh, thing where you need people with different specialties, you need multiple people to overse- uh, oversee projects. Sure. There's a weird trend I've noticed in which uh, these animated films have one director who has no previous expe- uh, uh, experience in animation. They bring in someone who is like a live action screenwriter so wait, who or else? a comedy person. Who else is there? Okay, so Ralph breaks the internet. One of the two directors, I believe, is Phil Johnston. Right. He, he's like Rich Moore's like co-writer or something. Well, he was on the first Ralph, but his big thing was... And he Zootopia. Was, okay, but his thing was they pulled him in from live action. He's the Cedar Rapids guy. Is he not? I believe he wrote he's, it. Correct. Yeah. He was a live action guy who Pixar started doing this being like, let's find good indie screenwriters and have them punch mm-hmm. up our scripts and whatever. Mm-hmm. But then now these guys start to direct these things as well okay interesting this sure. is a man with no animation background it's a live action background but he did work with more on the other two so maybe it's like i'm saying he's he came in through the ranks okay. but usually animation directors it's like you went to animation school yeah, you worked yeah, yeah, as I an animator you. you used to draw shit yourself okay yeah spider-man far from home peter ramsey not not far from home i'm sorry into the spider-verse mm. peter ramsey director of rise of the guardians there's a second guy because this film has three directors right. the second guy has an animation background the third person is Rodney Rothman, sure. who was like a fucking Letterman writer. Yeah, he was. The Grinch, co-director, Scott Mosier. Oh, who's that? Kevin Smith's old producer. Oh, yeah. All right. He's okay. one of the Smod cast people. Yes. Storks, co-director, 
Nick Stoller. We all remember Storks. I'm just saying you got these things where they get like a comedy writer I just director and Storks and I just yeah. got a Wikipedia entry for like Storks. Yeah. Like the birds. There they are. Ben is so mad that we're not talking Ralph right now. Pissed. Okay, did you pull up the voicemail? I just think it's an interesting thing that should be talked about. Where these animation studios are like, bring on someone with an edgy live action sensibility. We don't want these animation nerds. Cut that animation nerdery with some guy who's been slinging jokes mm. in the live action sphere with fleshies. None of these tune jokes. Give me some fleshy writers. Okay, Ben, here's a voicemail from John Hodgman. I have no idea why he left us a voicemail. Hey Griffin, uh, this is John Hodgman. I'm glad you did not pick up because I don't want to talk to you. I just wanted to leave a voicemail for the Blank Check podcast. Uh, I was just listening to this uh, podcast. Oh, hi, David. Have we met? I'm not sure. Anyway, I was just listening to this uh, very good podcast called the Blank Check podcast. As I drive uh, north through a rainstorm for a wedding in Lake Placid, New York. Um, and I just wanted to let you know, uh, Ashley Johnson is not working a lot, okay? Ashley Johnson is a series regular on Blind Spot, which is a, a big hit TV show on a broadcast network on real television. She works every day as a series regular, I would dare say, fan favorite, playing Patterson. The, the lab uh, uh, super genius, and now uh, foil to uh, equally talented Ennis Esmer of Canada. Uh, I bring this up um, because this is a broadcast show that I was on for two episodes. She was my scene partner in an episode, in two episodes in which I played a bad guy, and she was amazing, amazing. I concur with you, an amazing actor, obviously. And then my character was killed. But she continues to go to Steiner Studios every day, which is 20 minutes from my house, and work this job. And I go to Steiner Studios every day to drop off my son at school and look in the gate and wish they would have him back. I got a little personal. Anyway, uh, love the podcast. Look forward to uh, hearing more of it. But I wanted to just correct the record. Ashley Johnson is doing amazing work on Blind Spot. Thank you very much. Uh, check out my two episode art from Blind Spot from season one. Check out my two episode art with the wonderful Lola Kirk, uh, who is your guest on this podcast, this episode uh, on Mozart in the Jungle, and check out my new podcast, two season, two two episode art with John Hodgman about all my two episode art, and then check out my multi episode art uh, with my friend Griffin Newman on The Tick, which is a, uh, a good show, even though it's now on NBC. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice started getting a little strained there. Uh, also, check out uh, my uh, all my great uh, uh, all my great uh, voicemails on different podcasts, and of course, vacation land available now on paperback. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye. Okay, so just a couple explanations. Not that that needs any explanations because obviously the entire voicemail is very self-evident. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was mostly about blind spots. So of course that's when did we voicemail talk Voicemails in direct response to six weeks ago our episode on what women want. Oh yeah, she's the when we said Ashley Johnson. She's she still the daughter. Works a lot. She's the daughter, and he was enraged by the fact that we said she still works a lot, right? And felt the need to correct us. Yeah, uh, drop a couple of his credits there. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, when John Hodgman says, "I'm glad this went straight to voicemail because I don't want to speak to you," I want you to know that I was woken up that morning. Right. I believe this was a weekend, a Saturday or Sunday. John Hodgman called me at about nine a.m. I picked up the phone. He went, "Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't pick up." 
please hang up. I'm going to call back and leave a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, no further explanation. Obviously, John's not welcome on the show. He will never be on the show. We're happy to play his voicemails anytime. Anytime, but he will not be on this show. Yeah. And you can take that to the bank. Just like you can take Griffin's Lion King prediction to the bank. And you will be able to get out a small business loan on the back of that prediction. <laughs> uh, a subprime business loan, more like. Okay, so how much time do we have left? Four hours? Let's start talking about. Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah. Oh, before we do. Oh, oh boy. God. <laughs> Guys, it's weird how no one's listening at this point. Yeah. No, I'm I kidding. have all these VHS tapes from uh, growing up. And oh, I don't you're so know. retro, like Ralph. I, yeah, I'm fucking Ralph. You're 8-bit and you need to be multi-polygon. Yeah, how do I, what am I going to do? I can't keep cutting these freaking VHSs around. There's two things. There's two things here. One, VHSs, they're big. They're pretty cool. Well, yeah, they're cool, but they're they're bulky. Oh, large, heavy. They take up space. They Plastic. Rule, though. They do roll. They're cool. Two, you know, we we don't all have video players in our homes anymore. That's another thing you got to look around. The digital era has arrived. Then get yourself a legacy box. If you get a legacy box, you can turn those VHSs, Could you? things like that, your old photos. Oh, okay. You put them in the box. Into something digital. You put them in the box. Um, you know, film reels from the seventies. Yeah. VHS tapes from your childhood? Anything with memories, perhaps, that are precious to you? It's clunky physical media. You got to go into the interwebs like Ralph. You go to Legacy Box. Get in the cloud. They send you a box. A Legacy Box, And the box is physical. It's a nice tangible box you can hold. You put the... I'm things. an analog guy. I like that. You'll love the box. It's a quality box. Good cardstock. It is. It's a very good, very solid box. You put the things you want digitized mm -hmm. into the box. They've got good... Uh, you know, safety barcodes for every item. You're going to get everything you send back. It's mm -hmm. not like they're going to take your tapes away from you. No, but it's just now you got you got options. They give you personalized email updates to let you know how it's all going. Yeah. You know, 450,000 families have trusted Legacy Box to do this stuff. They got a decade of experience. It's all done right here in America. And they're going to turn this stuff into anything, you DVD, digital download, thumb drive. What do you want? Well, here's the thing, dude. Even if you're a, a physical media loving pack rat like me, right? Yep. I like to buy a Blu-ray, but I like to get that digital code inside. So I know I got options. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got a digital copy in the cloud and right. a physical copy. Right. That's the thing with Legacy Box. They're returning this stuff back to you. Yep. All right. But can I trust the people that are handling this really, really like sensitive the most trusted material? and largest digitizer of home movies and photos in the country. I'm I don't know. you would even ask. I don't know why you'd ask that question. Why would you even ask that? I just needed to know. You can trust them with your life. Okay. So there's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. You can visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. And this time, for a limited this time, time, they're offering Blank Check listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash check, and you're going to get 40% off 40 your first is big, order. Actually, Ben, you like big things. That's a big discount. We That's rarely a offer chunk. a discount that big. It makes the uh, money smaller, yep. but it is a big discount. The discount's big. The price you're paying is small. That's good. So if you go to yep. LegacyBox.com, Slash check, you'll save forty percent today. You can get started preserving your past. Legacybox.com slash check. Great. So let's consult the mints again. This episode's very much on track. Absolutely. Definitely did not see this episode being overstuffed and annoying, and it definitely hasn't been. Ralph breaks the internet. Then takes a sip. Good. So that's that what happens. Are we done? Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> no. I already said I saw this at a press screen. We've talked about this movie somewhat, but but uh 
Ben, I can confirm, just seems so happy and relaxed watching this movie. Sitting so you, next to you me guys went to see it each other. Right, we went to see it together, not each other. And we did see each other. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. My brain broke. I am <laughs> My too. brain broken. My ears are hurting. Um, where did you see it? Kips Bay. We already said all this. I almost got hit by a car. That was like an hour ago. I forgot it was Kips Bay. Forgot it was Kips Bay. <laughs> we talked about all of this. It was raining, as we know. I used my AMC A plus Stubbs membership. Home brand. Congratulations. Thank you. Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah, he did it. 112 minutes of fun. He does break the internet. Yeah, it's pretty long. Pretty long. Pretty stuff. Like no this uh, animated short to no open short. it up. No, because uh, the first one had the Paper Man, right? Uh, paper uh, yes, Man. which which won won that, won that the Academy Award. Oscar. Yeah, no, this had no short because the movie's a bit long. No short because yes. movie long. No short, just one longy. That's what that's what you call the film, a longy. So here is the premise of Ralph Breaks the Internet. Or do you want to handle it, Ben? I'd like to hear what you have to say, it's, David. It's pretty complex. Uh, it's a complicated yeah. plot. So life it's i believe it's literally six years later right yeah. like they it's the same amount they said of time we've barely been apart for the last six years and the routine now is penelope's in her game kicking ass ralph's in his game kicking ass but when, they hang out all the time right when the arcade closes they go to tappers they have fun they go to pac-man they pick up a burger and ralph loves this routine there's a burger report in this movie can i report go ahead penelope eats a burger in like the opening five minutes thank you for that burger penelope von schweetz <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's like uh, Ralph is settled into a very happy friend routine mm-hmm. with his pal Vanellope. Vanellope does seem a little uh, restless right away. Well, she thought, much like I feel like most of us do, God, if I could just get this one accomplishment in my career, if I could hit this one benchmark, I'd be so happy. I'd never have anything to complain about ever again. She's been pushing against the door for so long. Finally, the door is open. But what's on the other side? Ah, well, it's kind of the same stuff. Right, and then you, your ambitions continue to grow. So Ralph builds her a new track in Sugar Rush. That's her complaint. Is she knows every same track. Old she tracks. knows every move. She knows I mean, every it's power. It's the complaint of someone who would live in a video game. Right. Builds her a new track, but this causes a lot of consternation because like, you know, when they try the new track, they break the steering wheel on the arcade cabinet, the, the, the players. It turns out that that arcade cabinet's no longer in production. At this point, it's kind of 10 years old, and the guy's like, I can't really. And he looks for a spare part, but it costs hundreds of dollars on eBay. And yeah. the Ed O'Neill arcade owner is sort of a lovely man. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Because it is funny that he's like a nice, lovely man, considering that any arcade I ever went to as a child was run by criminals. Yes. <laughs> I feel like he's very specifically riffing on the nice old man from King of Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wears the the referee? Yeah, right, right. Um, so criminals. So Sugar Rush might your, be your local arcade was run by a Killer Croc, right? That's why BET was playing on every <laughs> Thank TV. You. I was gonna finish that one, but um, I let you have it. Merry yes, Christmas. What a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, I can't wait for Birds of Prey: The Liberation of. I think Birds of Trey is gonna be good. Trey? Birds of Trey. Yeah, that's my film I'm making about Trey Parker. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Spice in disguise. Um, so Bird, good. There, the, so the game's in trouble. Yes. How are they gonna fix Sugar Rush it's before this, it's gonna get unplugged? It looks like the same, same premise. Except this oh, time now it's this Sugar game's Rush. gonna get unplugged. Certainly, it'll be solved in a but similarly here's one thing I like right. right away. What? No, Vanellope's not mad at Ralph for making the no. new thing. No. You know, it's not one of those forced drama things where she's like, "Ralph, mm-hmm. you caused this trouble." She's like, "Whatever." It's annoying, but they're whatever. good friends. Friendship can solve anything. 
all the racers are displaced. Yes, they're taken in by the Wreck It Ralph families and stuff like that. Felix and Calhoun adopt seventeen children. Now, this is my biggest disappointment in the film. I said this to Ben. I thought they were going to keep cutting back to them, and it was going to be a nice little subplot, little sure. blackout sketch updates. Well, maybe that was planned initially, and there just wasn't time. The film's long. Yeah. But I do miss getting Felix and Calhoun, and I miss the racers. There's just so much other stuff I miss Francis Fogger Butter. Did you Campbell notice? Did you notice the Taffeta Mutton Fudge, who of course was voiced by Mindy Kaling? Is now voiced by Melissa well, Maynard herself, Melissa Villasenor. Doing a Mindy Kaling impression. I know. She should be doing an Owen Wilson impression, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but what has the arcade also gotten, Ben? A Wi-Fi router. What? So now they can go into the internet, which they only vaguely understand. Mm-hmm. And... Because they're retro game characters. Yeah, well, also understand. Anything with humans, they can get into. <laughs> That's true. Right. Right. So they go into the router through the plug, and then it kind of becomes like Tron. They become digitized. I do like that they just get the Tron thing out of the way, like, very early uh, on. Because they're playing Tron. Like, second 100 of the movie. It's yeah. like, here we are doing light cycles. We know this movie's very indebted to Tron. Right. Sure. Moving on. So the world of the internet is sort of like this endless city filled with people. There are two kinds of people in the internet. There are programs, right, that like mm-hmm. live in the internet, mm-hmm. and there are like little avatar people, users. which are users, right? right. Uh, and the programs are kind of like trying to get their attention. And I do like, much like the real internet, when you first see it, you're like, wow, the possibilities, right. this seems so utopian. It's almost like a Logan's Run type society, and the closer you look, you're like, wow, this is actually really frightening. Yeah. It's kind of like a Logan's Run society. Right. That's why, I mean, Ready Player One is my comp. This is good Ready Player that's One. That's what Ben said the second the movie ended. Well, that's what I said the second the movie ended. You can ask the mother of Blankies, Emily, and she did. I said it to her in the lobby. Well, that's a humble brag, and also I got hit by a car, so please try to be considerate this time. I'm sorry. We were really, like, Ben and I had gone through a lot by the time the movie ended. So when Such he as said, you'd seen the Spies in Disguise trailer, you had almost hit been hit by, by a car. car, you had been hit by a I car. I got tapped, I got love tapped, and so when Ben turned to me and said, this is good Ready Player One, it meant a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand you saw the movie with Emily. That's cool. I wish I was there. Thanks for inviting me. But also, when Ben said it to me, it had a lot of emotional weight because of what we had gone through to get to that point. And then later, Douglas movies. You finished that soda four hours ago? I was hoping for, like, a little bit of it. The ice had melted or something. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm losing the boys. All right, let's get back on track. Okay. All right. So tired. So we're in the internet. The design of the internet's great, right? Uh, I like that at the top, you have all the sleek stuff, but then, of course, down at the bottom, you got the dark, dark web. Right, Jordan Peterson's hanging out in dark alleys, so, a bunch of fedora shops. So, Hader is playing the little ad guy, right? But he's not credited. Right. What's up with that? What's his name? It, the, this character is great. It's not Slarmy. Uh, J.P. Spamly. Spamly. I love that. He's, and he's like kind of throwbacky internet, like... Right? Yeah, he's got like, like a flat cap, you know. He's like the shoe shine that you go to for information in a war film. The joke is like, there's this sort of like, right, forgotten internet that he is kind of a part of. The pop-ups. Right, the, the, the annoying pop-ups, which is sort of being like more and more discarded. Right. And then you've got the the algorithm and the, the YouTube analog, right, which is right. like more like the new internet where everything is sort of carefully calibrated to attract the most viewers. Right, but let's say the the central obstacle here is they need to get enough money to buy This scene is so funny. The wheel. I think this scene is so funny. They go to physical eBay. They go to eBay, right. I do love that really drawn out scene where Ralph puts it together by uh, Felix going, eh, boy. Right, 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 right. 
Um, but they go to physical eBay, and Vanellope's like, I got this figured out. You just have to say a bigger number. Yes. But then they get so into impressing just each other with big how big numbers. the number is that it ends up costing $27,000. Something like that. I just think that seems so It was originally $200. Right? I like yeah. that they're still children in a way. Yes. Like, right? Like, yeah. the, the the inherent premise of the movie yeah. is they need to raise so much money just because they're kind of silly. Vanellope's kind of like a little rascal. Uh, Yeah. She feels like a, an hour gang comedy kid. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and Ralph's just a big, a big goofball. Big galoot. So they need to make money. Right. And they're like, how do we make money? If only there was a way to make money playing games. And they remember that they saw Spamley, the pop bad guy, who's yeah. kind of played like the dodgy, like yeah, gypsy exactly. cat hey, guy come over here. I got at the airport. You. Right. And then with the sign. we get to the most important part of the movie. Most important part of the marriage. Ben lost his Gord damn mind. Gord is the best. You see Gord? Yeah, Gord's He's cool. got a turtleneck. Sure. Big eyes. Yeah. What? Gord's arms are weird. What more do you need, David? Because it's like, it's down in the dark web. There's like the slug guy played by Alfred Molina. Of course. <laughs> I immediately DM'd Jamie Loftus yeah. and said Alfred Molina. Got a slug quato. This movie is so dense. It is. But Gord's arms move like the old mobile game snake. <laughs> yeah. They sort of pipe out and he's at got hard kind angles. Of like a, you only see his eyeballs. The right. turtleneck's he, up high. He's like too Kilroy big. was here. He's like half of a head and a nose. <laughs> What's the joke with Gord? It's just good. I can't tell I you. I agree. He's just good. I can't tell you what the joke is, but I can tell you it plays. In the I played in your theater? Oh, God, you kidding me? Gord kills. Gord kills. I actually asked the projectionist to rewind. <laughs> Our screening took six hours because he kept on making him replay the Gord scene. Oh ben lost his mind oh at Gord. God. Yep. Gord's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he but has so this, nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> He's just kind of there. He does. He hands them the thing. He hands them things. And he says, also, his cousin is shady. If you can get Shank's car, right, you'll have the He's money like, because right. first he's like, right, go, because there's the bizarre true fact that these online games have their the, own in, like internal commerce. You can actually make real money gathering virtual items. You have, uh, I don't know, what do you call them? Gunters who are searching through games looking for uh, digital items they can flip. <sighs> Artemis, we stand for real a money. Artemis, we stand a legend. Um, I don't know why I think it's funny to say we stand a legend, but it is. I don't either. And I'm so glad that we have months of episodes booked up, and what you keep saying that <laughs> the time the episodes come out, you will probably be irritated with your own bit. Um, so, but that bit fucks. What? what? Stand a legend, Fox. Oh, thank you. As um, a bit, right? Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, and we, fuck we, slaps. They're like, we can't. We can't make like three bucks a pop here. We we need money fast. So he's like, all right, we'll steal this big car from Slaughter Race. Right. Which is sort of like an online. I feel like this is right. This is the Grand Theft Auto Sims world. They were trying to make a joke even like dialed up even more with right. this kind of Mad Max Right, But flavor. then it's also got this like online MMO kind of vibe because right. you see the people playing in it. I like how they're animated. The weird player characters. Yeah. Who yeah aren't yeah, really yeah. coordinated. But it feels like it's a little bit like the Fortnite thing, too, where it's like just this never-ending campaign to try to collect as much shit. And I just upgrades I and, like yeah. that there's some uh, video game satire. You know, we're not yeah. completely dropping the video gaming stuff. Yeah. You have Gal Gadot. The great Gal Gadot. 
uh, a coup for this movie in terms of social media influencing, according to a Deadline article I read. I hate those Deadline articles. Isn't it crazy, though? Where they're where like, they're like, we don't know if this movie's going to perform because uh, Tom Cruise isn't very active on social media. Ugh. But, but, then, um, but then they do the opposite with like no-name actors you haven't heard of. And it's like, but he does have the 5.6 million. Logan, I don't know. Everything's bad. Burn down the industry. Let Ralph wreck it. No, no, no. The future is influencers. Well, this is the thing. It's like Ralph should be allowed to wreck the internet. He should. It's bad. It's if, a bad if, place. If Ralph broke the internet tomorrow, I think everyone would be like, that's for the best. I do <laughs> wish, I kind of wish the movie ended with Ralph actually permanently breaking the internet. And that'd be crazy, though. It would be crazy. And then at the end of the movie, he looks the audience straight in the eye and goes, makes you think, huh? He yeah. points to this his This is noggin. what I was First worried all, the movie was going to be. If, the, if Ralph broke the internet, right, and this little yeah. thing you got going, what the hell would you two do? What would we do? You're going to go outside? God, that's a good point. <laughs> Shit. For two guys who hate Don't the internet. Don't break the internet, Ralph. <laughs> For two guys who hate the internet, we really haven't learned how to be good at things that aren't the internet. Yep. All my eggs are in that basket. <laughs> kind of the only place... Where I have <sighs> any capital. <laughs> um, Ooh, wow. So instead, so that doesn't work though, right? They don't get the car. It does. Gal Gadot They get them. close. They get close. They get close, and and that's when Gal Gadot goes like, "Game she, recognized game. You're a good likes, racer. She Great likes, race sequence. Unbelievable race. Sequence. Awesome. It's a really good race. And sequence. I like that Vanellope." has this great She's a good racer. She's a good racer and she gets like called out for being good by her like hero, this mm-hmm. badass lady yeah. named what was her name? Slaughter? Shank. Oh Shank. Yeah. Shank. Um I also like it's like my my genuine life philosophy is weaponize your weaknesses. And this is what she's doing. Like she's become such a good racer because she uses the glitch thing to her advantage. She doesn't try to hide it or so overcome it. So what weaknesses it. are you recognizing? I mean well uh, dependency on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Timothy Simons plays Butcher Boy. He's great. Uh, who are, who are the other? Ali Wong? Wong is in there. Uh, yeah, some the other one, uh, Hamish Blake. You know, yeah. I don't know. He's Pyro. Uh, who but, felt I thought Pyro would be Ben's breakout character, and then Gord just Gord, stole the Gord just stomps everything. Yeah. But so that doesn't work out. So instead, Ralph decides to pursue becoming a viral star. Uh, right. He goes, Shank sends him to Yes, who With is... With like success uh, is played by Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson. Correct. Who's who's the, who is... <laughs> who is like the the algorithm. BuzzTube. Yeah, whatever. It's YouTube. Yeah, right. Uh, and Ralph starts making viral videos. I also think that's funny. It's good commentary. Yeah. It's funny. You ha- yeah. They have him do funny, meme kind of stuff. And I, I just like, like the idea that it's also... Uh, craft it like you know yeah, what I mean yes. it's not just random it's more like she's like no this is how it these works. are the 25 things right and there are t- like wheels to this system right you want to blitz it um I also like the I was at this moment going like is this the moment the logic of the movie is totally gonna break how do they explain that like people in the real world are watching YouTube videos of a like independently thinking avatar <laughs> sure. from a video game but right. that becomes part of the thing where it's like oh it's people so like, random people what took is this, this old video game right. character because that's the thing when you watch some weird meme you're like I don't you don't know who made it you're just like where did this come but from but it's like all right. our base are belong to us exactly. or whatever it's yeah. like oh someone took this weird like yeah. thing from our like pop culture memories and put it on a goat right and I don't know like there, I love the pop up thing where like 
when you like, you know, have an aggressive campaign, yeah. you're sending out these like armies of people right. who are just going around being like, click on this, click on this, click on this. Yeah. And the people are like, oh, okay, click. And the second they click, they're encased in a car yeah. that takes them to the fucking video. But then the hard cut to like Sam Richardson in the cubicle going like, huh. right. hey, you should watch this. It's totally random. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's like it, it kind of gets at the whole sort of thing. There's a there's a really good TED talk I watched yesterday about how weird the sort of YouTube algorithms are, sure. especially in relation to children's YouTube programming. Yeah. Because, you know, there are all these people where it's like there's certain types of kids videos that perform really well on YouTube because parents are just like put on a playlist. But right. then people have figured out what those buzzwords are and try to create videos that will just end up circulated into those playlists. Right. But a lot of them are like, oh, it's like Elsa from Frozen gets pregnant. And they're God. like weirdly dark, but they're not parodies. And no one can figure out if they're made by algorithms and robots or if they're actually made by people who right. are just this craving is, and want the ad money. Because right, this is like what Baby Shark is and shit, right? Where right. it's like all this stuff gets like filtered a thousand times by algorithms. Right. I don't know. And you're like, is it algorithms replicating what people want or is it people replicating what algorithms say? It's kind of both. Yeah. It's all dark stuff this movie's making you think about. So the other thing he does is he goes to the Disney personality. I mean, Vanellope. Well, while he's doing this, Vanellope goes to the Disney personality quiz and meets all the Disney princesses. Right. Originally, also, like Star Wars. When they started developing this movie, Disney Infinity, my favorite video game of all time, was still in existence, which was an online video game in which you had all the different Disney properties. And that's how they were going to work these characters. And we stand a legend. We don't stand that legend. We stand that legend. Um, so instead, it doesn't matter. It's just she meets the Disney princesses and you all saw the fucking scene. It's like a good like, sketch. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good sketch. It's well written. Those are good gags. Yeah, they're okay. They're good gags. I like that she introduces the idea of being comfy to them. I that like, I like. I like when they do the spinning Batman logo thing. Yeah. It's fun. I like the comfy shit. They'll look cool. I think it's good commentary, too. It's good commentary. I was Whatever. afraid they were going to hit it too like hard. It. I thought it was I good. I think they hit it a little too hard. I just think it's kind of I like that they come back at the end. I thought it was clever the way they all use their powers together. Yeah. I like no, when people listen, use powers together. The kind of dudes that get upset by that kind of shit, it's, I'm like, it makes me happy that they will hopefully see this or like have some like hot take on the internet about mm. why it's like offensive to them. Okay. So it just, that's what makes me excited about it. It's going to bum out men's rights, you fuckers. Yeah, like, like David. Both frozen princesses are there. Yeah, they're both princesses. Princess Anna, Princess Elsa. What are you talking about? They're both princesses. Do you think Penelope counts as the first Jewish Disney princess? 100%. Sarah Silverman uh, says. 100%. I'm glad you agree with me on that. Now, they haven't made her officially part of the princess brand. No, and they haven't done the same with the Frozen Girls because Frozen's so big as its own marketing thing that they don't want to uh, saturate the market with having them in two different brands. Two different silos. Disney's really weird. The yep. whole princess thing They're is a little weird. weird. By the way, I'm now CEO of Disney. Great. Can There's I have an announcement money? on this episode. Uh, no, we're actually uh, functioning uh, at a loss. <laughs> Did you see that yesterday Ed Solomon was uh, tweeting about the fact that uh, he got his like uh, accounting uh, report for Men in Black because it's he wrote like, the first Men in Black. In the red or and whatever. they're claiming the film is still losing money every year. The first How men in black. He's losing money now. Right. And he's like, of course, that's why you're currently filming a fourth one. <laughs> right. Because the first one still <laughs> hasn't made its money out. back. I don't understand. What do you mean? Hollywood accounting, they're always like, uh, well, there's just no profits to give you. I'm sorry. If you look at these balance sheets, we're broke. Like, How can like they the, do yeah. that? So here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Draft day, by all accounts, lost money. And I still make decent money off residuals right. because that movie didn't really make money. So once it finally did crawl its way to like profitability through like selling to airlines and fucking iTunes rentals and all that stuff, they couldn't really pretend like there was too much money to go around. 
So the contracts that are written up where that movie, everyone other than the top five actors got paid scale. So the agreement was that you have like deferred like royalties if the film ever made into profitability is fine. But something like Men in Black makes so much fucking money that the studio stands to make a ton. What they do is all sorts of weird insider trading where like they did this with like the Harry Potter movies and uh, Smoking Gun linked a bunch of these documents. And they were like, oh, we're sorry. Harry Potter 5 didn't make any money because we spent $200 million advertising on billboards that were also owned by Warner Brothers. Right. So Warner Brothers Studios, the film division. But it's like, because they're technically renting from another part of Warner Brothers, it counts as Can say the movie didn't make any money because we spent too much on advertising. By the way, the advertising also was us. Has its flaws. Yes. Can we say this? Yes. Maybe Ralph will break capitalism in the third one. I want the third one to just be like Ralph breaks America. (laughs) Like, what if they, like, what if he got an ATM? Yeah. And Ralph went into the very notion of, of like, Wall Street economics. What if Ralph became Bitcoin and then tore down the <gasps> capitalist society that oh, we are all slaves to? Ralph Coin. Ralph Coin. So Ralph buys a I virus. Like yeah. Why does he buy the virus? He, oh, well, right. Because Vanellope really likes Slaughter Race and wants to move to this game. Right. Ralph is nervous he's going to lose that, his that's friend. That's fun that the princesses tell her that she has to sing the song. To, that she part. She looks in the water. I'm fine that with that. That musical number written by Ahmed Mankin rules. Funny. Then was losing his mind near gourd levels of euphoria. Then turned to me and he was like, I love this. This is just my movie. Because he said, you said at the moment. <laughs> he'd you were been like, like texting you all day being like, Ralph's going to wreck it. Yeah. I just know it. We should see it in 3D. We'll make the wrecking look better. <laughs> how, was, how was the 3D? I thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. Rob Plainfield said we shouldn't have seen it in 3D. I thought it was good. Um, but but uh, you were saying like, this is the kind of world I want to live in. Like you related to Vanellope now. Oh, 100%. Singing about wanting to live in her great grime world. That to me right. is so to exciting to like finally you. see like the, the kind of person I am on the screen. Which is like a kind of dude that would be into like sort of a like terror, like uh, like a shitty downtown burning L.A. Right. With like, you know, scam artists and hobos. But the first movie, Ben is like, this is my origin story with Ralph. And the second movie, he was like, this is me now with Vanellope. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to find my way in this modern crazy world. That's good. That's good that it had a new arc for you, a new character that you could identify with. Um, I sympathize with Ralph. I get it. He's very insecure. I get the friend thing. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. You're afraid of change. I want like uh, a crew too, like Pyro. Yeah, Pyro. Shank. Shank. I want a crew. Felony. I think Ali Wong's character is felony, right? Yeah. Uh, let's find out. Felony. Yeah. If anyone wants to be in my shady Butcher crew boy, out boy, there, tweet at me. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot of requests. Uh, Someone just got a Hello Fennel tattoo. We should talk about this. Oh, yeah. Very briefly. Which is fucking cool. Crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I think people will want to join your crew, seeing as how people are permanently the putting gang? your words on their body. Ben's Fennel Gang? Ben's Fennel Gang. Remember when you were just trying to like say, like, hello, fellas and gentlemen or something? or something yeah. like that. I, was, I think it kind of went down if I had to redo it. It went something I was like, hey, well, no. It was so fast. Yeah. You went like, hello, Fennel. Fuck. Yeah. I think we were vamping because like Griffin was doing so. I can't even. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Ralph. So he buys this virus. <laughs> it replicates. I'm so tired. It feeds on insecurity. <laughs> and then it you replicates, realize. It right, replicates like, right, the, the weakness in right. your so system. So first it replicates right. Vanellope's glitch thing and it starts fucking up the game. So right. they all have to get out. Right. And Ralph realizes what's happening and it, admits to it right away 
which I love. Which I love. I just hate. I'm so tired I of movies where people lie to each other. Right, right. right. Because uh, she could just be thinking like, it's my fault. I shouldn't have left my own game. Right. I shouldn't be bringing my glitch around. And he's he like, owns up to it. Yeah, I did it. I didn't expect this to happen. I'm sorry. She appropriately gets angry at him. Uh, but in order to free her from the game, because if she was stuck in there when the game shut down, she would have gotten trapped because she's a glitch. She's not of that world. In order to free her, he also lets the virus out and the virus starts attacking the internet at large. Well, yeah, but what it attacks is Ralph's own personal insecurity. It replicates it. And here is the thing. I had seen the, the movie mm-hmm. before Ben. Mm-hmm. And ben asked if he would like it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think you'll like it. And then I was sort of thinking, and I was like, there's one thing you'll really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just based on the things that you like. Ralph. Big things. You like big, big Ralph. Things. You like Ralph. Could Ralph get bigger? Now, here's what's especially good about what happens. One, mm-hmm. the monster is big. Very big. Huge. Two, the monster is made of many Ralphs. One might say a big amount of Ralphs. And Ralph himself is big. Right. So many Ralphs, a big amount, mm-hmm. makes big Ralph a big Ralph. Yeah, but also each Too individual big. Ralph is relatively big. Big, big. Three bigs. Sure. So a big did, amount of big Ralphs make a bigger Ralph. So did you like that thing? Where if I, it, my fucking <laughs> like he- my head exploded. <laughs> it was fucking all the things. <laughs> so anyway, did you like that he was big? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Listen, more big stuff. Yeah, he, he gets all big. He's yeah. a big Ralph monster, and all it wants is to be friends with Vanellope. Yeah. I do feel like this is probably where the much-hyped, you can't believe it, it's going to break you, all the feels, emotional ending of Toy Story 4 is probably gone. Oh, My really? guess is that Toy Story 4 is moving towards some permanent separation of Buzz and Woody and thus Woody from the rest of the toys or what have you. That is my sense I got from all the reading I've done about this complicated Tom Hanks and Allen have been doing these like interviews where they're like, you know, we just recorded the last scenes and it's so emotional. It's the show of Toy Stories. You can't deal with it. <laughs> what if Toy Story shoots nine hours, four is nine hours long. Yes. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, Toy Story 4, I just don't give a shit. Okay, please show a little bit of respect. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Woo. Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ben Woo! turned to me when the Toy Story 4 ha- trailer happened. And also played, I assume. Yes. Yeah. And he said, what happens if this movie's bad? And I said, Ben, I'm spending every hour of my day <laughs> preparing for it. Right. You're like you're like building a fortress. You know, you're like uh, buttressing every wall. I'm like know? Michael Shannon and Take Shelter. Right, like, I'm right. just like, everyone around me is like, are you you're okay? Like, and I'm like, I just this need is to be necessary. Prepared. I become, just need to be prepared. You've become a doomsday prepper. Yes. You're so weird. Yeah, I am. You and your Toy Story. Yeah. No, okay. Leave well enough alone. <laughs> I just... I like Forky. I think Forky's cool. We stay a legend in this house. Go on. Um, what you get touched by is the idea that they're like, we're fine with this, and we'll see each other every once in a while, and that thing where Ralph's like, six months will go by like nothing. But it's a little sad, and it's yeah. sort of about... And because this this movie is so much about the the kind of like commerce behind everything in the internet yes. and sort of behind everything you have to kind of do when you're grown yeah. up. And I feel like that's kind of what it's about. It's sort of like, it's hard to find, it's hard, to, you can't really have that situation where you're getting everything you want. Like, 
the job you want, the friends you want, the money you want. Like it's all in one place. Like sometimes you might have to give some of this up. Well, so I think about my father and he's got like his five oldest friends sure. and he still like calls them up and has really long phone conversations that's, with them. That's, that's very nice. You know, and it's like the five people he really like doubled down on, you know, between his childhood friends and a couple yeah, of his like long time. Some of his gambling know, buds. Right. All of them. Shank, Pyro. <laughs> 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 Want to restate that my father kicked gambling in the 80s Yep. before that continues to be circulated on the internet as a current recurring problem. Not true. Um, but but I feel like, like, look at you, for example, right? And this is a reason why I think a lot of the critical community is very emotionally affected by this movie. Sure, okay? sure. Look at you. You're working in an office with Shirley Lee and the two of you hit it off. Uh, and then you start Cheryl. getting your separate careers uh, and you're both doing well and moving I'm on nice to other Cheryl. things, but in the same city. And then she moves to LA, God, right? She has to fucking move to LA like a jerk. Right. And it sucks. You that she hear has that, to move Shirley? To yeah. But sucks. also you still got your Slack thread and that's what the internet is. Like well, the end of the movie, Ralph and Vanellope can still FaceTime and maybe they'll see each other twice a year. You know, and the other thing is, uh, for me and I have to bring this up. The same thing splits us apart, keeps us in contact still. I moved back to America from England when I was 22. And, I mean, we need to cut something out of this episode because it's too long. So here's an easy, just flag it right now. And Go on. I had to leave three of my very best friends behind in doing so. And, you know, one of them ended up moving to another country too. Uh-huh. And we've got our WhatsApp, you know, group chats sure. where we're talking to each other all the time. And yeah. one of them has a kid now. And, you know, it's like it's like one of them's getting married, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And yeah, we're you know you got it's hard, but there's ways to stay in touch even if you can't have it all in the same place. Right. But also, I just get that I think that I was really worried this movie was going to be like you say, Ralph turning to the camera and being like, "Think about it, the internet." And you also don't want that shitty ending where like Vanellope's like, "No, you're right. I should stay in the game I've been in this whole time." Or whatever. They find some fucking tunnel where it's like, "Who cares? We can right. see each other all the time." I just find it like I do feel like these children's films are moving towards like messy conclusions where they're like consequences, and it's like you can't have it all, and can't that's fine because you make in, your choices in the arcade. There's a day and a night, you know, right. and at night they can sleep. But once you're online. 24-7, baby, online never sleeps. Yeah. So she's got to live there. Yeah, she's got to live there. And um, the thing of Ralph, big Ralph, big monster big, big, Ralph, big, big right? Monster Ralph. It's just like a cute, not too annoying way of making fun of kind of like male insecurity online, rampaging uh-huh. and ruining things. You know, I think that's funny. The comment section, I thought they were going to go deeper into. And then it was like, oh, right, this movie's PG. They can't right. spend too much time in the comments. We can't. And what the comments represent. Cuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was truly, I was like, ooh, interesting, like nerve they've hit there. And we immediately have to take our finger off of the nerve. It's really more just a don't read the comments joke is yes. what you get. Yes. And I also think that having the princesses come back I pays really like, off. Yes. And I like that they sort of are the heroes at the that save the day at the end. And and David, you and I have talked about what yeah. we love most in the superhero movies that we love is good team action. When you mm-hmm. have the power sets combined, sure, sure, right? Sure. The things that uh, differentiate the good X-Men films from the bad X-Men films. Why the Avengers, uh, the first yes. Avengers the we love so much. The first Avengers is very thrilling. Right. I think this is a, 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 a similarly well-executed sequence. Yeah, and I think it's, it's nice that because you know the history of these princesses, they don't have to spend time setting up within the movie. At the end, it's very clever the way they all combine their power sets. And you don't give them powers they wouldn't have had on their own, but now they're greater as a whole. They're greater combined, sure. and the poison apple breaks the rope, and they all can sew the clothes with Gus and Jack. And it's clever shit, and then Ralph wears a dress, and it's nice that no one shames him. Sure. 
I guess, yeah, you're right. You're right. He just wants to be comfy in his dress, and it's cool, and no one's making jokes about him being dressed in a disgusting woman's piece of clothing the way they used to. I just could have done with more candle head. That's all. I know you like candle head, and I like Grant's flugger butter, and we're happy to announce that as the CEO they are of Disney. Like in it for five seconds, yeah. David and I are starting a new show for the Disney Plus streaming <laughs> service called Candlehead and Flugger Butter. And uh, it's also a check out. weird. I'm being told it's been canceled. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, well, that was a fun fact. I actually have a show to announce too. It's called Ben and Gord Hang yep. Out. Yes. So that your show is kind of like the Dios Mero, like a Vice Land. It's like a talk show with just you and Gord hanging out. And uh, our show, David and I's show, it's um, it's like Cagney and Lacey, but with Candlehead and Flugger Butter. <sighs> anyway, now it's 2018, so the closing credit song is, is uh, Imagine Dragons. Right, and well, and we move lateral, and they do that scene from the trailer just as a mid-credit scene because they had nowhere to put it in the movie. Pancake milk, the bunnies. Yeah, what do you funny. think about the name Imagine Dragons? God, I mean, it really makes you think. Yeah, kind of makes you imagine, actually. Yeah, I don't like that it's a demand. I'm so tired. <laughs> no, no, no. It feels Hold like on. it feels like a awesome name. Man. It feels Thank like God. It feels like the name of the band is yelling at me, which let's, I don't like. Let's play the box it's office. Sort of game. like a yeah, a command. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So box office game. I mean, this did very well. I'm gonna get confused between the five day and the. Well, three hold day. on. If I because this is an important episode, yeah. I just want to. Oh, maybe I'll save my final thoughts. You know, what? I'm gonna write a little thing while you do. This. Okay. Cool. Great. Poet you Laurier. can definitely. Okay. You can do it now. No, I'm gonna write. So what? This this did 86 for the five day. Let me find the exact numbers because Box Office Mojo is being fussy. It did 84, I believe, for the five-day okay. Thanksgiving weekend. This has just become a weekend at Disney owns. I mean, Frozen launched here, Coco launched here, Tangled launched here. Mm-hmm. You had Creed 2 make 55. Biggest live-action Thanksgiving. Very open. healthy debut. And can I put it on the record here? Oh, this is your on the record? I had a eureka moment during... Wait, what was your crazy on the record you wanted to do? I, this is the one. Oh, okay, this is it. Okay. During... My screening of Creed 2, and you're going to scoff at me, but I just want to say this now because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if I'm right, I look like a genius because no one else is saying this right now. I had a lightning bolt hit me during Creed 2. Watching it play to a rabid audience, right? Seeing the undeniable yeah, talent okay. of Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Knowing this movie was, was running laps around the rest of the competition, the adult competition at the box office. I think Michael B. Jordan's going to win Best Supporting Actor this year for Black Panther. I think they're going to give him the Academy Award be nice. for Best Supporting Actor. I think that's their way to both say, oh, we fucked up not giving him a nomination for Creed. He's clearly a real deal movie star, and we have to give something legitimate to Black Panther because it's such a cultural moment. I think it's a fine on the record. I don't know where the winds are going to blow on Best Supporting Actor, but I, we'll see. But that's why I'm saying no one else is making this claim, so I want to pin this right now. Sure. I think Michael B. Jordan is going to get... A sort of cumulative. I understand. Black Panther, the general acceptance of Michael B. Jordan and celebration of a new movie star. You put it on the record. You I put, put it, it on the record. record. Well, I think Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald is winning that category. That's right, Fogler. It's time. We have to acknowledge the great work of Mutton Chop Baker McGee. I don't know what his name is. Fuck, I, I almost name. pulled it. I genuinely. <laughs> Jacob Wazowski? It's something, it's something like, that. like that. Jacob Wazowski? Yeah. Well, um, the tough thing is they did just Let's announce. Talk about Mr. Yeah. Uh, you have to beep that out. Um, uh, they did just announce that they've decided to run Niffler as supporting because some people thought Niffler was going to be the lead. Niffler is pretty cool. Niffler is cool. He fucking steals. Did you see it? No, I wouldn't. The Niffler is like a big part of the I'm going to repeat the joke I made to you the other night. I would not see that movie at one point. Good job.
Uh, the Grinch has made 180. You've seen it eight times. God. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody has now made 152. Yeah. You Look, got some other hits in there. So you got, happy uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is making that money. You've got Robin Hood, which is one of the only movies I have ever walked out of. You walked out of it? I walked out of it. For I, what reason? Well, I went to see it mm-hmm. uh, at a press screening. Humblebrick? And... You know, five to ten minutes in, I was sort of like, well, I'm not reviewing this. Like, because it was sort of coming out on Thanksgiving weekend anyways, like a hugely busy week with a bunch of movies I had to review, right? Right. So, I like, pretty quickly, I'm, like, getting the picture, like, I don't like this, so I don't think it's going to be worth reviewing. Well, and you had already gotten your biased paycheck from Disney to give Ralph a good review, so why? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, 15 minutes in, I'm like, wow, this thing sucks you know what I mean or I'm like oh I wasn't ready like mm-hmm. I figured this was going to be kind of like the King Arthur thing where it's stupid but yeah. whatever but I'm like this isn't even fun like, so five hours with an intermission <laughs> it's not that long and so I but the thing, I stuck it out for 90 minutes yeah and then as Robin Hood's getting ready to fucking you know kill the sheriff of Nottingham or whatever you find out do. where he got the hood from yeah sure yeah. yeah I don't know you'd think you do honestly yeah, you know because the movie sure. opens with like a scene set in the crusades that's like shot like the hurt locker like they're in they're in like khakis yeah. and they're like shooting arrows like machine guns it's fucking insane Robin Hood just trying to figure out how to puncture a Capri Sun and can't get the straw through <laughs> wish that's that was what it was uh, when the, yeah when the movie was ramping up to the big final set piece I was just like I'm tired I, I'm not gonna review this I got to get out of here. And I left. Yeah, wow. I never do that. Wow. Anyway. Final thoughts, Ben? Are you done typing? You've Still been done. writing a little. Oh, oh yeah. it. Okay. Should I read? David, do you want to read it? You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Do hold you're... on. Hold on. Let me make it bigger so you can actually. Can I do one last merchandise spotlight? It's very quick. Sure. Ben, they have manufactured the equivalent of Hulk hands for Wreck-It Ralph. They're big, blocky, foam Ralph fists that you can hit and they make smash and stuff. That's cool. Um, wow. <laughs> That's your other merch? Woo! Okay. Yeah. All right, Man, all right. I'm going to get that. All right, so this is a two and a half. We're, we're getting close to two and a half hours. So Jesus we'll, we'll wrap it up here. fucking Christ. <laughs> well, a lot of movie. Yeah, and we didn't even touch Forky. <laughs> we I, got time. We got time. We got 70,000 more episodes to record. <laughs> okay, let's final thoughts. Jesus Christ, let's end okay. this. Okay, anybody out there who wants to say anything of malice about any of these films of the beloved characters brackets that I love and brackets I will give a death card it is about good nice friends and another thing did I mention that Ralph rules he's big and smashes shit and lives in a dump cool Vanellope likes racing in a post-apocalyptic LA on fire super cool good movie fuck you Anyone out there says otherwise. Great. <laughs> this is, he's been, he's been writing this for the whole episode. <laughs> I also want the listener at home to know that while David was reading that, Ben was Anytime mouthing I along yelled, every was single word. <laughs> yeah, and it was he's like string, He was pointing and waving his fists around while silently mouthing his own manifesto. I yelled anything that was in caps. Several words were in caps. Yeah. So that's Ralph Breaks the Internet. That's the wonderful Wreck-It Ralph movies. I think they're great. Yeah, they're good movies. I'm happy the two is good. Yeah. I feel like they probably do do a third one now. I just don't know what it is. I mean, it's weird that Ralph's just become a vehicle for, like, Rich Moore to be like, let me hold a, a mirror up to society, you know? Hopefully, I assume Moore will do something 
Zootopia 2. I don't know what he's fucking doing. Are they doing Zootopia 2? I don't know. Now they're like sequel crazy. Now they want to do all these sequels. We'll see. Uh, it didn't win the New York Film Critics Circle animated feature that went to into the uh, Spider-Verse, which rules. You love. It may be embargoed from saying that, but no, I think the review. I'm told there's a... Um, a uh, detective spider. God, you're Spider-Man gonna love Noir, Spider-Man voiced Noir. by Nicolas Cage. Ooh, he Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage. Oh, yes. oh man, um, it's very good. Wet. It's wet. Uh, yeah, he's windy. He's his, windy. His, his, oh, like, Spider Ham's a little moist. Spider Ham is moist. Yeah. Ham. Spider Ham. He's a pig. He's a pig. Spider Man. Voiced by John Mulaney. Uh, okay. Wow. Yeah, you're gonna like this movie a lot. Oh, ben just there's a Ben hole. Ben shaped <laughs> hole in the wall. And there's like a puff of air where Ben used to be sitting in the chair. Can we pitch a movie <laughs> called Spider Ben? Sure. Yeah. Spider Ben. There you go. Into the Benderverse. Yeah. Right. And it's into the Purdue verse. I want to see like the six into different the versions into the Fennelverse. I want to see the six different versions of Ben that come out of a wormhole. Oh, God. Ben, right. I just want to say bathroom. one last Can I say one last thing on the record that we're going to end the show? David, sit down. Don't pee yet. Because oh, I want you to agree with this. Yep. Ben is going to lose his fucking mind when he sees the character design of Kingpin in that movie. Oh, my God. You're going to love it. You should take like a CBD bean or whatever it is people <laughs> do these days before you see this movie, by the way. You should drop like eight tons of acid. Right. Uh-huh. You, you should spray some meth mist into your eyeballs yeah, or this, whatever the kids are doing. Exactly. This movie is... An, Ecstasy yeah. enema if, if or whatever. Four vials of nuke. Kingpin is as big in my mind as as I want him to be. It's a crazy. Uh, Eight small. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> Not a little. Not a little guy in this one. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. Larger than the average man. So huge. He's pretty big. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening. Oh, wait, no, Ben, you have to end the episode. Oh, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you to Ange Fergudo David, for our down. social media. The episode isn't over Thank yet. you to Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Correct. Uh, thank you to Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on Reddit. Oh, blankies.reddit.com for some real, really nerdy shit. And hey, feel free to weigh in on Reddit. Uh, if you want to join Ben's uh, dystopian gang, and also, if you have an idea for what the stakes of the Lion King bet should be, feel so, free to do yeah, that. Twitter when, and uh, Reddit. Reddit or Twitter. Um, go to T Public. Oh! Because if you've still listened to the end of the episode... It's beginning to look a lot like merch, miss. That's right. Some new holiday season designs that are not holiday-themed at all, but mm, capitalizing on the fact that people buy things this time of year. Yeah, so we got... At least three new designs. No Bits Pro Smiths. A solo fennel shirt. Yes. A two friends shirt that's a really fun design. It's going to look great. New ha- stuff. All new stuff, so check it out. Uh, and that should be available now. Get a throw pillow. Get a, a, a water bottle. All the stuff. I yeah, don't know. There's stuff. There's uh, stuff. So check that out. Um... We're going hard in 2019. 219 is going to be fucking hard oh, for BC. Oh, it's going to be a big-ass year for BC, baby. Yeah. I guess that's it. Oh, and as and as always, death cards for anyone. Anyone tries to talk shit about my beloved Ralph. We stand a legend in this house. Think about other movies that don't have big stuff in it. Add a big thing to it now. Better. Downsizing.
a movie. Well, I that's like. a whole other. That's a movie I like. That's a whole I, other. I thing. will say I do kind of. I shrunk the kid. I do feel no. Ben likes Honey. I blew up the kid. Right. 